Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Big show coming up as the uh, Jets go back-to-back tonight, taking on the Vancouver Canucks. Winnipeg Blue Bombers wheels up to Calgary to finish off the regular season. We'll hit on that as well. Uh, I've got some great guests coming up. Kenny Weeb of Kenny and Rennie fame, Sportsnet contributor, coming up in just a few minutes. And then we'll head out to Vancouver and talk Canucks, but also talk about, you know, the new landscape of sports media with our good friend, Matt Sakaris of Sakaris and Price. And it's been a few weeks since we've gone down Hacksaw's NFL notebook, but we will do exactly that in the second hour of the program. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton will join us getting ready for week 11 in the NFL. And then the always popular Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race brought to you by our friends at Canadian Club. Got another WST Canadian Club hoodie to give away, as well as an I Love Rye package. So for those of you with us on YouTube, make sure to stick around just after 2.30. We'll uh, fire that up after we finish up with Hacksaw. Uh, A big shout out to everyone that's joining us in the chat right now. Thanks again for uh, popping by. Great numbers yesterday. I know we did the show earlier, but it was great to see how many of you joined us a couple hours earlier than we normally do the program. Really appreciate that. Um, For those of you that are listening on the pod, if you have the opportunity um, at any point, if you can give us a five-star rating and a little review, that's another thing that really helps. So we're always saying, hey, if you're in the YouTube, hit that thumbs up. It's big for the algorithm and helping spread the channel. But on the podcast side of things, that is always a big help uh, on Apple or Spotify. Just a nice review and a rating if you have time. Uh, anyways, a big shout out to all of our sponsors making this happen every day. Our friends at our newest sponsor, Vita Health Fresh Market, seven locations in Winnipeg, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course, Canadian Club and our betting partner, CoolBet Canada. Speaking of CoolBet, just finished up a new episode of The Lock Shop with Dustin Nielsen. Uh, if you are listening on the pod and you haven't heard The Lock Shop before, wherever you're getting this, type in Lock Shop, hit us with the sub. We have new episodes Tuesday and Friday. Friday show, always all about the weekend in the NFL. Well, lots to unpack from a wild hockey game last night. Let's welcome in Michael Remus before we get going with Weber. What's up, Rima? How are you? I'm good, man. Wait, ready for uh, ready for the weekend? I know you're going out to the what is it? The curling next week. So you I'm, know it. I've got I've got all of our equipment ready for that. I'm getting that ready. It's also Marble Race Day, as Rob Mahoney says in chat. But I'm also fired up. We saw two excellent hockey games. Excellent for viewing. I thought the Jets played excellent in both of them, even though they didn't win yesterday. You would have maybe liked to see them score on the four and three power play. But hey, they were as a whole, they were great games. But also, as I'm kind of nervous now that we are in for a bit of a letdown game against a Vancouver team oh. that hasn't been. I'm I'm nervous. I've, I'm seeing some Vegas line movement towards towards Vancouver. So we will. Well, I mean. The, 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 look, first off, uh, Mitch Z, you called it. What a game. I mean, I, you know, I think people were disappointed that the Jets didn't get two points. But I mean, just simply for to see what this team has been capable of, the way they played in two games head to head against the Edmonton Oilers and all that they bring to the table. Pretty hard not to be bullish about the Winnipeg Jets right now. And, you know, I mean, the game last night, Remo, was 
I mean, honestly, the Jets picked up in the first period pretty much right where they left off on Tuesday night, and that was being the better team against the Edmonton Oilers. Now, I thought there was some pretty good pushback from Edmonton, and we really did see some brilliant goaltending. I mean, for a game that was, what, 0-0 through 50 minutes, that game could have easily been 3-3 or 4-4 were it not for some incredible saves from Connor Hellebuck, but most noteworthy, Stewie Skins, uh, Stuart Skinner over in the Edmonton net with the game of his life. And it's very interesting, been listening to uh, folks uh, you know, around the Oilers talking about that performance of Stuart Skinner and what that might mean going forward because they've had a tough time relying on Mike Smith. Miko Koskinen has been up and down. I'll tell you what, you get performances like that last night. I mean, you'll be able to beat just about anybody. And certainly the combination of Skinner and the absolute brilliance of Connor McDavid was what got the Oilers to OT. Um, And then, you know, the only thing I guess I would pick uh, from the Jets' performance, um, you know, the penalty kill was great. But man, so many opportunities on the on the power play, especially at four on three in overtime. Um, you know, you would think that if there's one thing to go back and look on, and how many how many four on three power plays do you have? Not many, but it is something that happens in overtime. Probably let one get away, but it's very hard to walk away from last night's game without feeling anything but excitement about the direction that this Winnipeg Jets hockey team is going. For sure, and I think to shut out McDavid in two games and well McDavid for you know, two games what he got three three points I think that's a win Dreisaitl had the big game in the first game but uh, didn't do anything so I think that's awesome I mean the Jets outshot Edmonton you know you get on the board with Nikolai Nikolai Euler's slap shot I mean how many players in the league I know this was on Tuesday just goes down the wing rips a big slapper top corner like I don't think there's too many players in the league that do that. And yesterday was a bit of a drop pass, but again, big slapper, um, top corner. You think that they have the game, but I mean, this goal, yesterday's McDavid goal, I mean, that's all over instant classic, all over my Twitter timeline. Uh, Logan Stanley and Adam Lowry, and who or Big Stan, he got absolutely welcome like, to the NHL, kid, absolutely posterized. But like, how. How can you usually be like, oh, stupid Jets. They give up uh, the lead right after, you know, they get it. How 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 can you get mad? I mean, he takes the puck from his own blue line and just goes through. I mean, you've seen him do this against against the Rangers earlier this year. And I mean, it's a, re- a regular occurrence just burning past these other NHL skaters. It's absolutely insane to watch. And I mean, you're texting people. You're, what a what a goal. <laughs> uh, it was it was incredible. So. I mean, you like to say, again. I think that power play obviously a huge, huge missed opportunity, especially four on three in overtime. But uh, what what a game that it was! It, it, it you know it, it really was. I mean, there's been a few games so far this season that have really stood out. That crazy Minnesota game mm-hmm. earlier on. I mean, the St. Louis game that you know the Jets you know were clearly the better team, and Jordan Bennington stood on his head and. You know, I I would suggest maybe not to the extent of the St. Louis game because I thought Edmonton was good in ways. I mean, they definitely bounced back from a performance that I don't think they liked very much on Tuesday night. But the Winnipeg Jets were right there. And and, and the fact that they were able to hold down McDavid and Dreisaitl the way they did over the course of those two games. I mean, you had the two power play goals very quickly, one at five on three in game number one. Um, And last night, I mean, essentially um, about as good of a game as you could have played as a team against Dreisaitl and McDavid were it not for 
you know, him uh, jumping into the phone booth and putting on the Superman suit there in the third period and getting that goal, one that everyone in the league is talking about. But, you know, to the Jets' credit, I mean, they continue to push. They got the benefit of that four-minute penalty on Connor McDavid going in. And as I said, you know, the one regret would probably be um, the inability to score on that power play, especially the four-on-three. I know we'll probably get into this with Ken Weeb. I mean, the one thing, I, I had no issue with the lines. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, Wheeler, especially on Tuesday's game, was really fine and, and set up line mates for a good four or five point-blank grade-A chances that just simply didn't go in. But I know there was a lot of talk. Now, one thing I think the coaching staff will sort of review is that setup of the four-on-three. I'm not sure that Blake Wheeler is the best guy for being the quarterback, Certainly, I don't think the shot um, is respected the way maybe some other players are there. And to be honest, I think there's just guys that are going a little bit more right now that might add more to that. But again, we're in week, what, game 16 now of the regular season. Um, sometimes you learn from those things. And I think there is somewhat of a changing of the guard with this hockey club. Despite what we've talked about this week with the captain being back up on that top line, pretty hard to look at any of the lines, but especially the top two that were tasked with going up against McDavid and against Dreisaitl for the last six periods plus OT and not think that they acquitted themselves quite well. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree. I mean, I was surprised that Wheeler was there, but I kind of got it. I mean, he's been quarterbacking the power play for years he just does it from the right boards. And, I mean, this time they put, you know, they put him up top trying to dish for the, uh, you know, the guys. you got Connor and Shifley, Dubois in front. I like that formation, but I agree. There's no wheeler. The threat of a shot isn't there. And that's why it was, the power play was so good with Buffalo because, you know, he could just rip it. I mean, we got Mo Vetchkin, Josh Morrissey. He's hmm. developed a shot this year, and we've talked about that. You know, maybe put him or Nate Schmidt has been really good at distributing the puck, but... Well, I, I think Neil Pionk's a perfect yeah, guy in or, or that PS, spot, to I, be honest. You know, I forgot about Pionk, too. I mean, they've got three they've got three pretty good offensive defensemen. Unlike previous, you know, the last couple of years, you know, since uh, the Bufflin left. So I thought those could have been options, but I didn't I didn't mind it. And I you, li- you live and learn, it didn't work out. And look, it's again, uh, Mitch is saying in chat, look. Six games in a row, you know, the Oilers won last night in a skills competition. That's six six games in a row. The Jets have mm. the Oilers numbers. So, I mean, I mean, it was a great game and kind of makes me miss the uh, Canadian division because we're, we're not going to see these teams play again until, what, January? And then that's it. Yeah, there is one more game between the two teams in the regular season. That is January 16th here in Winnipeg. Uh, but, Remo, I could not have been the only person after the game talking with friends going, can you imagine another seven game playoff series between these two clubs and, you know, barring one of the teams in a crossover position, um, you know, and moving over to the other division when that would take place would be the conference finals. And listen, there's so much road to go. It's a little bit far down to really start thinking about, but man, these games were just so good. So entertaining, so exciting that it's hard not to uh, maybe just think about what could be down the road because I'll tell you what, both of these teams look like they are going to be very, very tough outs, especially the Oilers if they get goaltending like they did last night, which I'm not sure that they can count on going forward. Jets, on the other hand, I think they know what they've got in the net and uh, they're pretty confident that that will be the case for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, we can see what happens with the Oilers in uh, in goal. Stuart Skinner, can he do this long term or was it a flash in the pan? I know he's had good AHL numbers. 
But I mean, he's got a couple guys. They've got the cost. What are you going to do with Koskinen? He's got that contract. Mike Smith's hurt. I'm um, wait and see. The Oilers did get some bad news today. Um, Darnell Nurse, yes. defenseman, who you remember, didn't he get 60 minutes? Did he play 60 minutes in an overtime game last year? Do you remember that he played? Well, dude, he played 31 last yeah. night. So uh, that's a huge, huge loss for them. He broke a finger. I think two to three weeks. It seems kind of short. So we'll we'll see. But that's that's a tough one for Edmonton. And he's kind of struggled on defense. They brought on uh, what Keith and CC. I think that's a. I mean, he played half the game. That's a big loss, Darnell Nurse. So, yeah. I mean, so we'll see. Yeah. I'll see how it affects the team going forward. Well, uh, I can tell you that the. Um, I mean, just talking to some people in Edmonton this morning. I mean, I think their the reaction was the same, and they are very impressed with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, this was a tough spot. You knew Edmonton was going to be fired up to get one back on the Winnipeg Jets, and. I mean, the Jets right out of the gate were uh, were flying last night. And, you know, we talked about what they were able to do at five on five against the against the Edmonton Oilers. They had the lead. And, you know, were it not for another goal of the year candidate by the best player on earth? I mean, we're talking about the Jets going in and really handling Edmonton in both games coming off the four game sweep. Um, but man, there's there's a total rivalry feeling of, about this um, series now as well. And you mentioned the Canadian division because they saw so many each other so many times last year. But especially the way the playoffs went, you knew that there would be maybe a little bit more animosity. And Edmonton it was quite obvious was trying to maybe up the physicality. And I don't know if they really have the team to do that. But it was Zach Cassian that uh, was kind of pushing people around, and Logan Stanley stuck up. It, it was quite a noteworthy night for Stan. Um, you know, standing up, getting in that fight with Zach Cassian, acquitting himself quite well, certainly no classic, but, you know, that's a big, tough dude in Zach Cassian. And it's not like Logan Stanley has a ton of fights in the National Hockey League. So he stepped up in that spot. And then, unfortunately, as you mentioned, Remo, uh, is getting a lot of airtime on highlight shows today, as uh, you very aptly put it, posterized by the best player to put skates on in 2021. Yeah, that was just a, a ridiculous goal. And, you know, the Jets allowed one to the Oilers. They've kept them off the scoreboard on the power play. But, I mean, the difference, clearly, uh, the Jets' power play, as we talked earlier, 0 for 5 in the game. You have the four-minute penalty at the end, plus overtime, four on three. You got to get it done. And they weren't able to. You still get a point. But I think there were two that were there for the taking, but... I mean, for a team that's what ranked, what, like 20th on the power yeah, rankings? Yeah, 20th in the league. 20th in the league. They'll probably drop down a couple. I mean, they're looking pretty good here. <laughs> Tied with Minnesota uh, for first in the Central. So I think, you know, nothing to be too upset about. And you lost the skills competition, but it was, there's a couple things you can improve. But a team, team seems to be going pretty good right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, we're going to get into much more Jets talk coming up with Ken Weeb. We'll also touch on the Canucks a little bit later on with Matthew Sakaris from Sakaris and Price. Uh, but Remo, let's quickly touch on the Bombers before we bring in Weber. Um, up and away to Calgary to finish up the regular season. And as expected, it is going to be Zach Caleros that is playing. But we're also seeing the return of uh, Brandon Alexander, Stowe Richardson, Nick Taylor, and Patty Newfeld. No, uh, no Adams, no Brady Oliveira. And still no Jackson, Jeffcoat, Andrew Harris, or Janarian Grant. Um, I think there'll be some nervous Bomber fans watching this game knowing that Zach Caleros is starting. I, for one, am praying that he can just get the 172 and lead the league in passing and then get out of the game. 
There is some risk to it, but I do understand not wanting to have a guy basically go a month in between games into what will be a one and done situation at home on the 5th of December. Yeah, this is, um, I mean, it's an interesting conundrum. I've, we've talked about all week. Should Zach Claris play? Should he not? I saw Doug Brown tweeting, like, and I kind of agree with this, that Claris barely played last year, signed with the Bombers, and then led them to the Grey, led them to the Grey Cup. Um, so I agree, you know, you don't want you don't want him rusty. You also don't want him hurt. I mean, what's the risk-reward here? I mean, are you going to be holding your breath every time he drops back to throw? Yes. Um, <laughs> the answer, the answer. <laughs> to be honest, that's exactly well, what everyone is going to be doing. Especially if you're and maybe si- Michael Shea, too, to be honest. Well, especially if you're sitting out some of these <laughs> O-line guys. And I think it's part of it because of 2007, Huss, when you jinx them by going up to buy buy Grey Cup tickets during the no, West Final? I, no, not 2007. Oh, I think 2001. it's 2001. I think it's yes. 2001 with the way, you know, it was the last time they had been in a situation where, you know, they had the home game, they had the buy and a buy, rested guys, let Calgary sneak into the playoffs in the final week, and then ended up losing to them in the Grey Cup. It was, it was memorable. And, you know, Mike O'Shea wasn't around for that. Kyle Walters wasn't around for that. Many of us were around for that, and I'll remember it. Wade Miller was. And I'm not suggesting for a second that Wade is at all involved in the decision-making for it. But I think there is something to be said for, you know, not going that long without playing. But in a way, it's the most violent game. It's the most dangerous game. A quarterback injury would be devastating right now. And there is, I mean, there's no way around it. There's a lot of risk in this decision having Zach Caleros play at all in this weekend's game. Yes, uh, yes, I, I agree with you. So, I mean, have him in, throw a couple. I mean, you have some guys in the O-line that are out as well. Um, Sean, the interesting part, Sean McGuire listed as out, Huss. So, who's the guy who's we're going to see throwing the ball, possibly, if Caleros is out? <laughs> Brown? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who is this guy? He is uh, he he he's the third string quarterback that we've never heard his name of pretty much I, I, until this week. <laughs> literally, we would follow the Bombers all all year. Never heard this guy's name mentioned once. And I wonder if anyone in chat, anyone in chat, without looking, can you? Does anyone know the number of Brown, the Bombers' third string quarterback? The number? Yeah, well, I have it on the depth chart right now. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. You look at it right there. I don't think anyone anyone knows. Um, Schmidt face says the depth chart shows McGuire on it, but uh, Ed Tate just tweeted out the injury report from six minutes ago that says McGuire's out. So uh, here I can pull it up right now. Uh, one sec, I have it. I have it here. So it appears that that McGuire's out. So I mean, I would. We're going to see the good this. news. Yeah, the good news. While you get that up, uh, he, the he good is news. eighteen. There's people in, in chat who do know yeah, that he is uh, 18, Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Sellers got it. <laughs> Um, the good thing and these guys are going to be i mean they kind of do have the uh the the bombers hopes in their hands um the big offensive line stanley bryant drew dejarley uh, couture patty newfeld's back and jamarcus hardrick so as long as zach caleros is in the game i would imagine those individuals will be in the game um and you know you wonder i mean are they going to be playing to win do they want to go through the you know the entire game with caleros in as I said, very selfishly, all I've been talking about for the last few weeks is 
man, is he going to get rested out of winning the uh, the passing yards? Now, Mike Riley's not starting. Riley's got 171, I think, on him. So that'll be something I'll be paying attention to. But more than anything, I think people just uh, hoping that Zach Caleros makes it out of the game unscathed, feeling good and ready for the 5th of December. All right, we're going to get to uh, the Jets uh, Oilers as well as tonight's game against the Canucks with Ken Weeb. In just a moment, do want to thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, our newest sponsor, which, of course, seven locations in Winnipeg, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices with an amazingly knowledgeable staff training these products to help you get what is right for you. Don't forget, November is Men's Health Month. Vita Health carries product to support prostate, energy, libido, stress management, and more. And uh, I got to tell you, the grab and go deli at Vita Market, the uh, the salads and the sandwiches are available. Uh, if you're on the run quite a bit or um, don't want to cook for a bunch of people, um, man, incredible quality, great for you. Pop down and see him at Vita Health. Uh, and by the way, some great DLC options as well, including the clever pink G&T and the sober carpenter non-alcoholic beers. Might be a great thing to have around if you're entertaining for the holiday season. Uh, of course, our friends at Culligan Water are the go-to people for all things water for 65 years in Winnipeg. Of course, family-owned and hydrating the province with water softeners and filters, um, whole home systems, drinking water systems, as well as bottled water coolers, bottle-free coolers, and water delivery services citywide. And of course, not just for your home as well. Your business, can uh, the Culligan Man can take care of that. Great commercial and industrial water products and solutions. It's all there online at drinkculligan.com or pop down and see the good folks at 1200 Sargent Avenue or online, or uh, give them a call at 204-694-5180. And uh, I'll tell you what, our friends over at uh, Manitoba Battery are uh, very excited for uh, the uh, Bomber game coming up in December. But for the rest of November, uh, any healthcare workers, frontline workers through the pandemic, if you need a battery, uh, the gang at Manitoba Battery will take care of the taxes for you. Uh, you can find out more at manitobabattery.com or um, pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. With the snow here, sledding season is good to go. Uh, they've got uh, batteries for all sleds, usually about between $65 and $75. Uh, give them a buzz or pop down and see them at manitobabattery.com and get your sled ready for winter. All right, let's get Ken Weeb, Weeb's world himself. Great addition of Kenny and Rennie after a great hockey game last night. Lots to unpack from the Oilers series. And uh, lo and behold, another game to go tonight on the second end of back-to-backs. Weeber, what's up? How are you? Uh, so happy Friday to you. I'm uh, doing excellent. It's been a very enjoyable week here. The joy level, as Claude Lowell likes to say, is very high. I agree. Um, and I tell you what, even if you had no skin in the game, if you were just a hockey fan, you should have a high joy level because, um, I mean, what can you say? What a game last night. couple of great games for the Winnipeg Jets, even though it went to a shootout and didn't end the way Jet fans would have loved it to. 
No doubt, Huss. Uh, this had me hearkening back to a time when uh, Brian Munns and I traveled uh, to Philadelphia on a moose trip and saw a 0-0 tie that was uh, ended, I think, by Mike Richards in a shootout. But this was not a snoozer. This was a game that is filled with glorious chances at both ends. Uh, great goaltending, uh, some dynam- two dynamic goals by top-line players, and ultimately ended in the, uh, you know, penalty shot contest which i think left uh, no one with joy maybe the oilers had some joy but uh, that was uh, you know it was an unfortunate way to end uh, a game and I, I don't i'm not i don't care about the result i just mean that after a game that had that much action in it uh, to see the way that it went afterward was uh, you know just a bit of a, a bit of a deflator i guess but uh, overall the game was just fantastic uh, you lure- nailed it last night kenny saying i mean 50 minutes in it's zero zero and that could have easily been for hell that could have been five five considering yeah. some of the saves and the chances that both teams were generating yeah, it was it was just fun to watch. And it wasn't that it was a wide open back and forth game like this was legitimately strong play on both ends. There are some superior offensive players in the game that have been playing and going head to head. I thought Leon Dreisaitl was an absolute horse for the Oilers. He has no points in the game, but I mean, no offense to Connor McDavid, who had another highlight reel special. Dreisaitl was probably the best player on the ice last night, and the Jets had plenty of high-end offensive guys that were generating chances. I think Stewie Skins. Stewie Skins well, sure. was the, uh, might have been the best guy on the ice last sure, night. I mean, if he doesn't stand yeah. on his head like that, I'm not sure we're having the same conversation. Sorry, maybe but she yeah, said skater but, was a skater, skater, but not player. But uh, man, oh man. And, and you touched on it with the injuries with uh, Remo before I came on here. Boy, oh boy. Uh, that's a significant blow. Uh, I don't, you know... <laughs> That's a significant blow to a very good hockey team. Uh, Darn, we saw it in the playoffs. Darnell Nurse is, and this is for all the folks who think that ice time doesn't matter. Uh, that's fine in a vacuum. It matters when you're the best defenseman on your hockey team. Uh, that's a lot of minutes to try to uh, piecemeal together. And sure, Cody Cece's done a nice job coming in with Edmonton, but you're not replacing Cody Cece uh, for for Darnell Nurse right now. So, uh, anyways, as far as the Jets go, Huss, I mean although they gave up some quality chances, their their team defense in the last two games really stood the test. I mean, we all wondered. I mean, we had heard all about the improvements, all about the commitment, everything else. At five on five, the Jets gave up one goal and it came on a one on three rush, which was absolutely exceptional. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I totally understand folks are are down on Logan Stanley for that play, but it doesn't matter what level you're playing at. It doesn't matter if you are six foot seven and have a wingspan of a large human being. When the fastest player in hockey is going at full speed and you're almost standing still, I don't care if you're a first pairing guy or the 750th player in the NHL. If you're standing still and the other guy's going full speed, your chances of stopping him are fairly low. So uh, that's one of those things where you tip your cap. And what I would also say, us great job by Dave Tippett to get Connor McDavid out against the third pairing. We've talked a lot about the Jets not needing to shelter the third pairing because they're steady. But in that situation, playing against Connor McDavid is a little bit of a different animal. So uh, I think you have to tip your cap to Dave Tippett uh, you know, for having McDavid out there against the third pairing. And, and that's... N- this happened to the Rangers' first pairing is what I also want people to remember. So uh, I understand why, you know, some fingers are being pointed. Well, how could the coaching staff have this done? Well, hey, it's a teachable moment. It's a learning moment. And you can be sure that the next time the Jets have a one-goal lead with five minutes to go, they're probably going to have Morrissey and Schmidt or Pionk and Dylan out against those guys. So 
Um, I mean, again, that, that's one small mistake mm. in a very broad sample size over two games. And us for, for everything you talked about, about the animosity from that nine game set. I know that some folks got tired of the extended play between these two teams, but who doesn't want to see these teams play five times instead <laughs> of three times? I mean, are you kidding me? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, all I could think about after the game was uh, playing seven times in the spring. <laughs> and and honestly, I mean, I don't know how you could have any other takeaway that if that could possibly happen would be an absolute treat for people on both sides of the rink and really for hockey fans uh, around because, I mean, it, that game had it all. Just quickly on the McDavid goal. Sure. I mean, listen, I feel for Big Stan. I mean, uh, you know, he stepped up and fought Cassian earlier um, and then was posterized. Uh, but what McDavid did last night, it, his last stride was at the blue line, Ken. He uh, was going so <laughs> fast that he literally glided through half of the Jets team and then put one in. And, you know, honestly, at a certain point, and I'm sure the Jets feel this way, you just have to sit back and tip your cap. That was a hell of a play. But if that's the only goal that you're giving up outside of those two power play goals, including a five on three in two games against the Edmonton Oilers, you're doing something right. Uh, your thoughts on the top two lines and the way that they matched up and the way they were able to play against the McDavid and Dreisaitl line, because for me, that's the takeaway. Uh, you know, Obviously, the defense core as well, really stepping up. But I mean, these were big, big tests for the Jets' top two lines, the way they're constructed. And uh, I think you have to look at these last two games and say they passed with flying colors. We know it's a different situation than last year, Huss, but when the Jets lost six consecutive games in the regular season to wrap up the season series with the Oilers, where they got beat seven out of nine, a lot of those head-to-head minutes featured Connor McDavid against Mark Scheifele's line. Uh, and that was also the case last night. Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler did an exceptional job with the help of both top two pairings, uh, specifically Morrissey and Schmidt, uh, on Tuesday night. But when the matchup switched, I'm guessing, Huss, there were a lot of Jets fans that were holding their collective breath about how the matchup might go. And guess what? At five on five, Mark Scheifele won, Connor McDavid zero. Uh, and that tells you a lot about the play of Mark Scheifele of late. We know that some folks were wondering about where things were at. Uh, he's got a three-game point streak, but more importantly was the engagement level and the battle level. And we know these guys trained together in the past with Gary Roberts. I love the fact that McDavid you know, and Shifley were getting into it one-on-one, uh, mano a mano along the boards, battling, hitting each other. Oh, that yeah. tells you all you need to know. This is not game 16 for these two guys. That's high-level intensity from two very good players, and that's what you like to see. In terms of how the lines played, for sure. I thought that there was tremendous growth in these two games from Shifley, Ehlers, and Andrew Kopp. I thought they did an exceptional job on a number of fronts, five on five being one of them. Kopp did an absolutely fabulous job on the penalty kill to help ensure that the Jets held that top-ranked power play to zero goals. I know it was only two attempts in this game, but that tells you about the Jets' discipline. Now, you and Remo also discussed the power play was not operating at a high enough level. We will say this, yes, in the four-minute power play, the Jets had ample opportunities, seven shots on goal, that's the situation where you have to push it over the top. But as I wrote about for sportsnet.ca, if this is the level we're nitpicking at, that's a good sign because that me if you're nitpicking to that degree, that means you're looking at a team that has some of the pieces to become an elite team. And guess what? 
when you're an elite team, you have to look at every single stone that is being turned over because that's the difference between winning a seven game series against a team like Edmonton or maybe losing in a game seven. So uh, of course the power play needs to get going now one for 16, I believe Huss. The fact that the Jets are still, I think, a top 10 power player just outside of it, and mm. the fact they've just finished a 1-for-16 <clears throat> stretch tells you that not all is lost, but some tweaks need to be required. We know some changes were made. Kyle Connor was back up on that top <clears throat> unit uh, last night in that one-timer spot. Probably the biggest development for as well as Kyle Connor has played and doing an exceptional job in leading the NHL with 11 even-strength goals. I don't think a lot of people would have guessed that Kyle Connor only has one power play goal out of his 12, and I am... Pretty sure that on the cool bet line, we're taking the over when it hmm. comes to Kyle Connor, or we're probably taking the under on how many games it's going to take for him to get going on the power play, uh, given the weapons he, uh, you know, has in his arsenal. Well, and, 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 you know, I mean, let's face it, we've been talking special teams over the course of this first 15 games of the season. We've been talking about concerns on the PK and, yeah. um, you know, the ability to kill penalties against the most lethal power play on the planet has to be a good thing going forward, but you're exactly right, Ken. I mean, you really, it felt like an opportunity lost when, you know, the minutes ticked down with a four on three. And let, let's remember, the Jets have lost two games in overtime on the opposite end of those four on three, so it was a glorious opportunity to get the two. It didn't happen. What do you think the coaching staff, when they look back at the tape of the way that four on three, again, it's an unusual, you don't often have those. I'm not sure how much you practice on it, but um, a lot of talk about Wheeler in that spot, kind of quarterbacking it. Um, you know, were that to happen again tonight, um, or maybe next week after some time to practice, you think they might go with a different formation or maybe some different personnel? I personally like the fact that they went for it. We've been we've been talking all year long about how the Jets should be going back to three forwards, and that's not a knock on the defense core. They've done an exceptional job of producing offense, whether that's Schmidt and Pionk in double digits or Morrissey working his way toward double digits. I love the fact that they did this. They've done this. If you if you can harken back, I think it was either season or two ago, Jets had a five on three, and they used Blake Wheeler in the exact same spot at the top as the key distributor. One of Blake's best qualities is his passing. Now, were the passes as precise as maybe we've seen in the past? Maybe not. But I think that you take your chances with the Jets having that unit out there. I like the fact that Dubois was out there. I mean, could the Jets have gone Ehlers in a forward scenario? Of course they could. Uh, but I have no issue whatsoever with the personnel. Um, I mean, the only thing you maybe run a risk of, especially the way that Dreisaitl had been playing in that game, if there is a turnover and there's a two-on-one going the other way, you're asking Blake Wheeler or one of the other forwards to try and stop one of the best passers. And, oh, guess what? He's also the leading goal scorer in the National Hockey League to defend. But I love the fact that Jets weren't tentative. They went for it. They're trying to win the game. They're being assertive. I have no issue with the personnel chain uh, personnel that was uh, thrown out there. I like you, you do like Wheeler as the forwards. quarterback in that spot? I mean, I, it's I, his I, best, I, I mean, his best qualities as a passer. So I, I have no problem with him well, finding that. that Either I'm with you or Shifley. I, I'm with you on that. I, I'm just, and you know, looking back at it again this morning, I, you know, I couldn't help but think maybe someone with more of a threat of a shot as well. I mean, maybe we're talking about a Neil Pionk or someone like that that has certainly been able to dish as well and to think sure. it's been good on the power play and potentially have Wheeler. I, I don't have any issue with Wheeler being on the power play. He's been incredibly productive on the power play for a long time. Um, but in that position in four on three, does that get the most out of um, out of the four man setup with a guy that maybe you don't think is at any point going to be blasting one from there? 
No, it's it's a fair point. And, you know, Nate Schmidt's done a great job from the top. And as you mentioned, Pionk. But uh, I think the precision passing is what you're looking for. And given the one-timers that Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor were able to get off, I think those were hel- those were generated partly by Blake Wheeler's passing abilities. So uh, I don't have an issue with it whatsoever. I mean, if it works differently, are we saying Palm Reese is a genius because he had Wheeler in that spot? You know, that's just the way that it goes. I mean, if you don't score, of they course. They didn't shoot be- him 8-1 in OT. I mean, it wasn't like they weren't getting set up and were getting a shooting gallery. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's interesting. I mean, but that's, you know, it's close. It's not in, right? So, but I think that any coach would be happy with the level of opportunities they were able to generate. Now, when you look at the finishing ability by the Jets, you think that one of those is going to go for them in that scenario. So uh, it just goes back to what we were saying before. Uh, the options that the Jets have at their disposal are at a high level. I think the, one of the most important things for the Jets yesterday and on Tuesday was that this was one of those times, us we've been calling for it all year long, where the top two lines were both operating at or near peak efficiency. And that's what you saw from the Jets. And I don't think it was a coincidence that it happened going up against Dreisaitl and McDavid. Uh, it was an important challenge for them to try and meet. And as you mentioned, it, they 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 passed the test with flying colors and they didn't look like they were hanging on. And I mean, the other part too, I mean, we've got almost 20 minutes into the conversation. Connor Hellebuck, hello. <laughs> Connor Hellebuck is back and Connor Hellebuck will say he never left, but Connor Hellebuck is back. That's I think six games in a row now, two or fewer. His uh, save percentages creeping up nicely and suddenly that goals against is going a little bit more to the average to elite level rather than being around three, uh, you know, and even over three for a while. And the fact that he's making exquisite saves look routine, that tells you all you need to know about how dialed in Connor Hellebuck is right now. And Paul Maurice touched on it in the post game show for us. When you're sitting on the couch, a lot of those times, those shots through screens, there's Zach Hyman battling in front of you. If it lands in the bread basket and doesn't come out, that looks routine on TV. It's exceptionally hard to battle through, to find the puck, and to not let it be laying there, or there's two or three Oilers maybe ready to pounce if the rebound is loose for them. Well, I, and you know what? I mean, it's a great point, Ken, and and we kind of touched on this at the uh, the open of the program talking about it. I mean, Hellebuck is playing at that level, and he's doing it consistently. I mean, this is the guy that is, without a doubt, one of the best goaltenders on the planet and the best goalies in the National Hockey League. I think the Jets almost expect those sort of performances from their goaltender. Uh, It was an incredibly nice surprise for the Edmonton Oilers to get that sort of a performance from Stuart Skinner, one that I don't think anyone was counting on on a regular basis. But that sort of a performance when that team needed it so badly, with Smith being out, Koskinen being up and down, certainly adds an interesting wrinkle going forward to the Edmonton Oilers, who, as you mentioned, we won't see until the new year. Yeah, for sure. And the fact that, I mean, we know this. I mean, Mike Smith was great against the Jets last year in the regular season, and he was steady in the playoffs. I mean, the the Oilers' goaltending did not hurt them in that four-game sweep. So uh, the fact that a guy who's looked at as the number three guy on the depth chart was able to throw up a performance like he did was going to be very encouraging. I I spoke about this with Kelly Moore and Trevor Kidd on the pregame show yesterday. I love the fact that Tippett went with the backup because he knew his team would would be on its toes instead of on its heels coming back from a long road trip you know you got the backup in there you don't really know how he's going to play he's got a very small body of work you don't really know if he's going to kick up 30 or 40 or give up five I mean he played great I mean you have to give him him credit I mean the other part too 
similar to the kind of the Eric Comrie story, right? You don't you don't don't really fully know what you have. Now this is a great opportunity for Comrie to play tonight against the Vancouver Canucks. But Hus, you know this, and so do I. After that game last night, I bet you Connor Hellebuck walked into the office and said, "Hey, I'm good for tomorrow." And Maurice said, "Take a seat and enjoy the weekend." Yeah, exactly. Go talk to the media. You're having tomorrow off. Eric Comrie's going. <laughs> well, let's get to this game tonight because. For, I mean, as well as this team has played, for as exciting and entertaining as these last two games are, um, they're going into a very different situation. They're not, you know, challenging themselves against one of the most elite teams. They're playing a team that has been struggling. There are fires burning all around the Vancouver Canucks head office yeah. right now. And this is a desperate, desperate hockey club. Um, but it's a tough situation for the Winnipeg Jets in the second end of back-to-backs. I mean, give us your take on how this one matches up and the challenges for Winnipeg getting right back at it in Vancouver after such an emotional couple games against Edmonton. Sure. I mean, they, they extend expended a lot of energy in this two game set and you're right. This is the, uh, you know, the absolute trap game scenario for them. But I think they're, we've talked so much about the maturity the Jets have been showing over the course of the homestand and this game last night that I think they will be ready. I mean, Three years ago, were the Jets, you know, a prime candidate to maybe not play as well as you'd expect them? Yes, but I think that based on what they've been building on their structure and their foundation defensively, they're going to be ready. Uh, they're going to need Eric Comer to play well, much like he did against the New York Islanders on a night where the Jets, you know, didn't have their legs. Uh, they're going to need him to kind of keep them in it early um, and see kind of where it goes from there, and maybe the skill can take over. But uh, so I spent the the half an hour before I came on with you listening to Jim Benning and Travis Green from yesterday. And man, I mean, the stress level is high in Vancouver. Oh. There's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, the folks are, are uh, you know, I, you don't want to say it, but they they might think it's two, 2000 or 2010 again. And, you know, and, and I don't mean the Olympics. I mean, I'm talking game seven against Boston here um, in terms of how they're feeling about the fortunes of the of the local hockey club. Um, they, this is a team looking for answers. They're looking for solutions. Uh, but they need some those to come internally. They're, you're not going to start playing a new system. Vancouver Canucks are getting plenty from JT Miller. They're not getting enough from Elias Pettersson, who has nine points in 17 games after signing a massive contract. This is not a one-person problem, but Brock Besser has not performed at the level that they were expecting. And hey, Hus, guess what? The, Van- the Winnipeg Jets aren't the only team struggling while shorthanded. The Vancouver Canucks gave up three on the power play to the Colorado Avalanche in a game where, by all accounts, they played very well otherwise. Uh, Jim Benning touched on it. It's a fragile team, and if the Jets can get on them early, it's going to go one of two ways. The Canucks are either going to rally and play their best game of the season, or they're going to give up one or two early, and you know it could be on, if you will, to borrow a phrase from, from Connor Hellebuck from earlier this week. But the Jets can't count on the Canucks being poor. They need to kind of weather the storm and then kind of dictate the pace like they did against the Oilers. I think in both first periods of the two games, and specifically, I know you also mentioned it with Remo earlier, the Jets, all we heard about was how, oh, the Oilers were tired. They were going to be a different team. Well, the Jets put up 17 shots on goal in the first period. So guess what? They were ready for whatever storm, and they are actually were the ones who caused more of the storm. No, I, I agree with you. Ken Weeb with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Weber. You you mentioned Pedersen. I mean, I just saw Thomas Drantz um, throwing out that uh, looks like he's been taken off PP1 uh, off the first power play, which, 
you know, just doesn't seem possible when you think about the personnel there for it. But I mean, just your thoughts on, you know, their start and how, how it's come to this so early in the season with everyone on death watch for both the coach, the GM, and as we'll talk to Matt Sakaris about a little yeah. bit later on, probably real concern in the organization that this anger and angst might turn to apathy if it looks like this season is lost, even this early in the campaign. It's a strange development, Huss. I mean, I'm not afraid to admit it. I had the Canucks as the third third best team in the Pacific Division going into the season. I think they, you know, they made some smart change. Connor Garland was an excellent addition. He's been off to a great start. Oliver Ekman Larson has responded the way I expected him to. Uh, you know, JT Miller, as I mentioned, is playing great, but they're not getting enough contributions from the guys we're expected to see from. Yes, Quinn Hughes has a, a ton of points, I think 14 points, but you know, there have been some issues with defending. Their defense core has not played at the level we expected them to be playing at. Uh, Travis Green's a smart hockey coach. Uh, he's got a very good staff. I, I don't think this is a tactical error. I, there are not tactical errors that are being uh, tossed around that are holding the Canucks back. They addressed some of their needs. Some things have not worked out the way they anticipated. But deep down, this is a pretty good hockey club, especially five on five. So, uh, the Jets are going to try to not be the team that allows them to get that first step out of the gutter, if you will. But, uh, I mean, again, you have to respect them. I mean, Travis Green talked about it yesterday. Uh, you know, one of the one of the things that a coach has in his arsenal is to withhold ice time. And he's, he's wanted to have Pedersen play through it. Uh, the fact that he's not on power play one. That's a, you know, that's a, that's a shot fired your way. And how are you going to respond? But uh, I would, I would probably care to, I'd care to wager again. I have a good feeling that uh, Elias Pettersson will be back on PP one before this game is over uh, based on some of those one-time slappers that we've noticed and the one-timers against the Jets specifically in recent memory. But I, I like the fact that coaches go to this, um, you know, go to this uh, tool in the toolkit. It does not happen often. I think it's a smart move, and especially when there are other players playing at a high level that deserve the opportunity, uh, it's good to put a player, a star player, on notice and to remind him, hey, guess what? You know, you wanted to get paid this offseason? Now it's time to deliver, right? I mean, that that's part of the deal when you're, uh, when you're a head coach, and I'm very curious to see how he responds, and I would expect him to respond uh, accordingly. Well, and, 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 you know, and one of the things about, you know, the whole death watch that's going on, we'll ask Sakaris about this in a few minutes is that, I mean, I'm not sure what, you know, sure, go ahead, fire the general manager. I mean, you're expecting that to be make a quick turnaround on the ice? I mean, I don't no. think so. And I guess you could go the route of bringing a new coach in and trying to get something different. But, you know, we're getting pretty close to U.S. Thanksgiving. We know how important that date is. And you look at where the Canucks are, what, five games under 500. And like, that's just like 500 of getting 82 points in a season. So I mean, if this this uh, if this isn't a desperate hockey team tonight, Ken, then I think we probably will see some changes. Although I'm not sure how much good that'll be when it comes to this season. And you think about what they did in the off season, you know, really sort of going for it, getting rid of those bad contracts, taking on some that might bite you down the road. I don't think anyone in Vancouver could have imagined it being this bad this early. 
Yeah, and I love the Jason Dickinson addition. I mean, Huss, we saw him a lot in Dallas. I saw him in that playoff series against the St. Louis Blues. This is a guy who is, you know, plays a similar role that the Jets have with Adam Lowry. Maybe not quite as physical, but a similar player. Maybe a little bit more speed for Dickinson, but a really good penalty killer, a checking line guy that can play up in the lineup if you need him. But uh, they just haven't had enough execution. I mean, they just have not produced the way that we expected. And even too, I mean, goal, they've got solid goaltenders. I mean, Halak has been a really good backup, right? And bought, look what he did. He was basically in a job share with Tuka Rask last year. Demko, not quite at the bubble Demko levels, but he still has the ability to steal games. So uh, this is a team where you, you need to be aware and you need to have your radar up, even though you know it has been a tough time. They're that wounded animal that could strike back at any moment. But I think this is another great test. I mean, as the Jets continue to try to push to ensure they stay in the race near the top of both the Central and the Western Conference, these are the kind of games that you need to kind of go to the reservoir and say, you got to win this hockey game and you got to play a certain way in order to accomplish that. So uh, we know they expended a lot of energy against the Oilers, but guess what? You don't just get to play two games a week in the National Hockey League and this is your second of 11 back-to-back. So... I mean, you can say whatever you want. This, there's a reason of the, of, about the schedule, but there's no excuses. I mean, the, the Jets are going to have to play play well, and they're going to have to answer the challenge here. It's a different kind of challenge than they faced against the Oilers, but it's an equally important one to find out where your team is at as you get close to that quarter point of the season. Well, uh, and I'll tell you what, I mean, really enjoy the post game last night. Lots to get to after a game like that. And of course, right back into it tonight, you guys will be doing a late show afterwards. And uh, just give a quick plug for the uh, the daily uh, weekly show you guys did yesterday. Uh, some great stuff with Aaron Portsline and uh, Jim Houston was a hell of a guest, too. Yeah, thanks, Hudson. Thanks for checking it out and appreciate the opportunity to plug it. I mean, it's one of those things where when you have a double dip, sometimes the front end of the double header, uh, people don't go to the PVR or in this case to the podcast or the YouTube channel. Uh, you're right. I mean, Aaron Portsline, we've talked a lot about Pierre-Luc Dubois, but Aaron's a guy that's been around Pierre-Luc Dubois since he was drafted third overall by the Columbus Blue Jackets in a moment that on the draft floor caused a lot of oohs and ahs because he was expected to go more like fifth or sixth. Uh, I asked him specifically about the return to Columbus next week and what it would mean to him. And Aaron had some great answers and insights about the kind of person Pierre-Luc Dubois is. We've, We've talked a lot about his accountability, but this is a guy that really feels things. There are raw emotions and he's going to be emotional going into Columbus. Uh, I'm fortunate, Hassa, I will be going to Columbus on this road trip. I'll be in Columbus and Minnesota. So thankfully, uh, the good folks at Sports Center are getting me out on the road for those two games. I won't be going to Calgary, but uh, I will be going uh, for that Dubois return and uh, can't wait for that. And as you mentioned, Jim Houston, uh, who just retired this year, the legendary uh, Hockey Night in Canada broadcaster, just had some incredible insight about how he got into the business uh, not accidentally per se, but it wasn't his first passion, but uh, he shared some great stories. He shared, you know, the influence of his mother and he talked a lot about how he came to the decision to hang up the microphone, if you will. And uh, Jim's absolutely, you know, one of the voices of our generation. And uh, he, he just shared some un- unbelievable thoughts and it was just a treat to have those caught that conversation yesterday. And I uh, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to plug it. And folks, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, check it out. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Yeah, head on over after Winnipeg Sports Talk today. Check out the content of the Kenny and Rennie YouTube page and uh, be sure to uh, see uh, the boys fire it up after I see tonight, uh, late night from the West Coast. Weber, have a great weekend. Uh, We'll uh, talk to you next week.
Thanks for having me, Huss. Enjoy the rest of the show and uh, have a great weekend as well, my man. Right on. There he is at Weeb's World. Ken Weeb and uh, yes, Kenny and Rennie live on YouTube. And of course, you can subscribe to their podcast as well. We're going to head to Vancouver in a minute. Matt Sakaris joined us. Do want to thank Royal Sports for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one. Uh, the greatest, well, to me, the greatest store in the city. Uh, over 35 years being the go-to spot for everything sports-related. The hockey headquarters of Winnipeg with winter here, incredible stock and deals on snowboard equipment. And of course, for fans, whether it's Jets gear, Bomber gear, your favorite NFL team, Blue Jays, Canada soccer, they've got it all at Royal Sports. You can follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for the latest and uh Pop by this weekend to Royal Sports alongside King's Skate, Snow, and Surf over at 750 Pemina Highway. Winter's here. I know many of you might be thinking about uh, maybe an upgrade of the whip. Uh, If you're looking for a new vehicle, before you do anything, check out what they've got going on over at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? And if you're looking for... Oh, I don't know, maybe a wrap for a corporate vehicle or trying to trick out your, your vehicle with the new, uh, some rims striping. Winnipeg Car Lab is open. You can follow them on all the socials at Winnipeg Car Lab. Of course, Not Auto Corp is at Waverly and McGilvery, and you can check them out online at not.ca. Uh, the weekend's here, and that means tonight, nine o'clock game, West Coast. Maybe it's time to get together for a couple little brown jugs with some friends for the game as we get into the weekend. Nothing better than that great taste of the world-famous 1919, as well as the Winter Good Times Variety Pack available right now with four different Little Brown Jug beers, including the new limited edition Double. Find out more or pop by and see them at the Tap Room on William Avenue. And you can also order online and find out more about hosting events and holiday parties at Little Brown Jug at the events page at Little Brown Jug. .ca. Um, quick look at our Boston Pizza scoreboard for tonight. Um, pretty light in the National Hockey League. Uh, we've got the late game between the Winnipeg Jets, the Vancouver Canucks, and just one other game, the Colorado Avalanche at the Seattle Kraken. Puck doesn't drop tonight in the NHL until 9 p.m. Of course, Boston Pizza is open late. A great spot to get together to watch the game. And of course, NFL football on Sunday as well. Uh, ice cold schooners. Delicious pizza, Boston's wings, and the big game with the big sound. And of course, if you're staying home, you can also order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Jets and Canucks tonight. Um, always love hooking up with Matt Sakaris, who, um, like us, has found a new space to deliver content for Vancouver fans. We caught up with Matt just before the program to uh, talk Canucks, talk new media, and a few other topics as well. Kind of double down right now, welcoming Matt Sakaris and Rob Gray from Sakaris and Price. Gentlemen, great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk and great to see and talk to you both. What's going on? Uh, pleased to be invited back, Hustle. Thanks for the time and uh, thanks for inviting Rob in as well today. Uh, yeah. We we see all the ties that bind between your operation and ours, ours. And we're like, you know, I can remember doing a hit one of your first couple of weeks. We're like brothers in arms yeah. in that regard. Well, I, I got to tell you, I mean, uh, obviously watching what you guys are doing and uh, certainly loving the content, it is great to see the success you guys are having right now. And first off, congratulations on the new digs. I mean, uh, a pretty spiffy new spot for Sakaris and Price, Matt. Yeah, we, we've been very lucky here, Andrew. We found uh, some partners who wanted us to be here. We just opened a few weeks ago a brand new street front studio here at the 
Wall Center Hotel in Vancouver. It's the busiest hotel in Western Canada, the biggest hotel in Vancouver. It's right on a downtown street corner. And um, they were looking for promotional vehicles and we were looking for a permanent home uh, to do the show. So after many, many months and some supply chain issues and you know all the other things that people are going through during these crazy times, we were able to get this thing built and get it uh, up and going in the next few weeks. And uh, this guy to my right here was a big reason for that. Well, listen, we will get to uh, talking Jets and Canucks in a second, but uh, Rob Gray, I mean, uh, obviously incredible experience in the business uh, back where we all used to work. I mean, you're the show developer. I mean, I'd love to get your perspective on uh, what the guys are doing, what we're doing, and just how this business is changing, um, certainly from when you started. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the nice thing is now, as as you guys have discovered, uh, when you do have a career change that's uh, forced upon you, there's no barrier to entry into doing it in the digital space, and that's something I think that's so different. Where if you wanted to start up a sports radio station, first you had to get a license from somebody. You know, you had to convince the CRTC that you should have this programming on a station on a platform, and there's millions and millions of dollars of costs that go into that. Where now, as you said, you got a laptop computer, you have what you need to get out there and get your content to the people. And I think it's just a great, awesome, democratized space that we're in now. And if you have good content, uh, you can get listeners. And if you have listeners and you've got a good following in the community, you'll have sponsors that want to get on board, much as you guys have done. And I think you guys kind of led the way here in terms of the first people that got up and going and you know big congratulations to you and your team on all that you've accomplished so far yeah we talked about getting a transmitter but it seemed a little rich for our blood so we decided to do this instead well, you know, in a lot of ways, I think we're finding out you really don't need it. Um, I, I know when I mean, we found the people that normally were, you know, with us on the old AM dial have found a spot and uh, it's certainly happening as well. Hey, Matt, before we get into the hockey, Rob, one more for you. I mean, just your perspective on, uh, you know, the the reaction and the way that Vancouver and the people that listen to Matt and Blake every day back in the TSN days have sort of responded and embraced the new home and the new way that this content's being delivered. Yeah, so I think, you know, some of the things that we talked about, even back when we worked together, we started to do podcasts of some of the shows, because we're in a world now of, you know, the Netflix and Amazon Primes and everything else, where I want my content on the device I want to listen to it or watch it on when I want to, right? So there's no more, you have to wait around for eight o'clock for something to start. Now you just can do it whenever you want. And we've seen that with uh, listenership. We just started to watch a postgame show here. Uh, for all 82 Canucks games. And we're finding that actually the morning after is when people want to consume the post-game show. There's many more people that want to do that on a commute into the office or whatever they're doing. So it just gives you a different perspective to think about this. And I think people are getting so used to it now. People are coming so much more familiar with the streaming on YouTube, with podcasting. Um, so they know now they can get the content when they want, how they want, and still have all that interactivity that we have too, especially with, you know, text messages and emails. You can still read those on the show and you can still respond the day after. And we actually do contests now. You used to be on the radio. You know, you got a call by the end of the show. Now it's, 
here's the contest thing to text in and you leave it open for 24 hours. So the whole podcast community can do it. And you'll see entries come in at three in the morning. because That's when (laughs) someone's listening to it in whatever the situation is. So like Mm -hmm. I said, it's just really democratized now and it's great for content Mm -hmm. and content creators. Well, and you make a great point about the post games. I mean, uh, you know, we're doing our daily shows here, but the illegal curve guys stepped up right afterwards doing something right after the game. And uh, Ken Weave and Sean Reynolds do one as well. So there's some great post game content but you're exactly right and i mean out here in the central time zone like for instance tonight this game's going to finish in and around midnight that's not a great time for post-game listening but you got a full day afterwards and in this case an entire weekend for people to get back after it and um you know we certainly are seeing that well rob listen it's great to have you on the program matt i gotta say with all of this talk about the post-game show and the actual content of sakaris and price no shortage of topics to get to oh, around buddy. the local hockey squad right to? now. Do we have to? I was quite <laughs> enjoying talking about the industry with Rob. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate that. Um, you know, but just one other thing, um, uh, Hustle, before we move on, like, and I'm sure you found this as well, you know, collaborators are so important, you know, and, and you don't need a billion dollar telecom to have collaborators. Like we have exceptional collaborators, um, from the wall center here where we do the show to all our different partners to, you know, people who we have trade deals with, uh, you know, like R- Rob's the smartest w- sports talk radio guy in the country. He brought me over from newspapers to broadcasting more than 10 years ago. He was the national program director at TSN, which is why he knows you and all the guys formerly of the Winnipeg station, all the guys across the, the country. So having someone like him in our corner has been Absolutely invaluable. He's irreplaceable uh, as far as I'm concerned. Now, let's get on to the Vancouver Canucks. Yes. Because, like, quite frankly, the one thing that is hampering us this year is that we need a hockey team that's competitive at least to U.S. Thanksgiving, right? Like, please give us at least U.S. Thanksgiving in terms of competitive. Golly, I mean, two years in a row here where they have just been terrible out of the gate and basically sunk their playoff hopes by December. So, you know, I'm not prone to this phrase hustle, but we're almost close to a must win game for the Vancouver Canucks against the Winnipeg Jets here this evening. I mean, five losses in a row, uh, an ugly record. And, And I mean, honestly, Matt, I mean, just through social media and maybe that's a poor um, indicator, but it's impossible to ignore the angst coming from the West Coast about this hockey team right now. And listen, I mean, I didn't think that they were going to be world beaters, but I think most people saw what happened in the offseason and said, listen, this could really bite them down the road with contracts like OEL, yep. but they certainly did look on paper to be a better hockey team than they were last year. It mm-hmm. certainly isn't translating into wins. They added Connor Garland, Oliver Ekman Larson. Your old friend Tucker Pullman and Jason Dickinson, while subtracting almost nothing from this hockey team in the offseason. Canucks fans were talking about how this might be the best top nine in the Western Conference, to which I used to point out Winnipeg, by the way. All that top all that talk has stopped, believe it or not. But you know, Canucks fans thought, okay, blue line maybe doesn't look great, but Thatcher Demko is a terrific young um upswing American goaltender. And there's a tie that binds there, right? Uh, and they have a pretty good top nine. They should be able to outscore their mistakes on a lot of evenings here. Well, not so much through 17 games. Five, 10, and two. As you mentioned, they've lost five in a row. They were absolutely obliterated on a three-game road trip 
through Denver, Vegas, and Anaheim uh, this past weekend, and then came home and, and lost the first game here to Colorado. Um, they have massive, massive problems right now. Um, that goes all the way to the top of ownership, but also goes, you know, to the top of the roster where Elias Pettersson has just been terrible this year. There is no other word for it. Um, they thought they had a young franchise centerman here, and he has not been able to get going whatsoever. So this is a really wounded Vancouver Canucks hockey club that the Winnipeg Jets are seeing this evening. Matt Sikaris from Sikaris and Price with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for the Jets and Canucks tonight, a 9 p.m. puck drop for those of you in the central time zone. Uh, Matt, coming off that road trip, I mean, uh, I was still tuning into your show, seeing what was happening on social media. There was a lot of questions as to what did they do? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we are still early in the season. The record's ugly, but there is still a lot of time. At what point do they wait? How long do they wait? I guess the question is, if this continues, what is the move? Well, I mean, that, is it Travis Green? Is it the GM? And I mean, if you fire the GM, I mean, that might be the good thing, big picture, but can you expect that to turn around what's happening on the ice quickly? That is exactly right, Hustle. And that's why, like, we are on a GM and a coach death watch here. That if you think this season is salvageable, you either need a winning streak very soon or you're going to have to move on the head coach. Uh, You know, Kenny Holland used to always say U.S. Thanksgiving. You are what you are by U.S. Thanksgiving. You should know what your team is. You should know what your team lacks. And if you're looking to affect change for that season, then you need to start moving on something at U.S. Thanksgiving. Now, maybe there's a trade out there for them to bolster this season. And I do think Jim Benning would make a trade to bolster this season, even at the cost of futures, because they are so all in on this season, but I suspect if they don't get a win tonight against Winnipeg, if they don't get a win on Sunday against the Chicago Blackhawks, we might be looking at a new head coach here. Travis mean Travis green could well be on his way out or it is the full house cleaning. And really when you talk about the angst, when you talk about the anger of Canucks fans right now, most of that is directed at the general manager. This is his eighth season in charge and outside of the team that he inherited that first year, they have not finished higher than 17th in the overall league standings. Most of the seasons here under Jim Benning have been in the bottom third of the league. Uh, The blue line doesn't look anything close to what a contender's blue line should look like, particularly if you had been building something over seven or eight years, and the offensive stars have struggled here. So, you know, Really, get out a bingo card, think of everything that could be wrong with a hockey club, and start blotting away, because that's what we're looking at here. You know, I I think we all got a bit of a chuckle from that guy that was in the front row at the game against the Az with the thank you, the thank you, Jim, uh, and then the jersey with all of the players that he'd signed and whatnot. I mean, it, it was quite the visual. Um, but you know, you can feel the anger right now, but I imagine from an organizational standpoint, what they're worried about. And this is the worst case scenario. You go from anger to apathy for a hockey club. And it doesn't seem like they're there yet, but that really is the next step unless something happens or things don't turn around. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's coming quickly. Like, you know, cause there's been a lot of anger and there's been a lot of apathy over the last, you know, six, seven years anyways. So no, I mean, like this is a blase market that will shut this team off if they don't start winning anytime soon here. Like we joke about how we've done the death march 
in the third month of every year uh, under Jim Benning, you know, just playing out the string in these meaningless games. Once the trade deadline comes and goes, if there isn't, you know, a move that's made by that point, you sit there and you're basically, you know, playing draft lottery simulator and seeing where they're going to finish and who's available from that year's crop of, of 18 year olds. You know, there, there's a um, Vancouver Canucks and Canucks sports entertainment should be happy. There's anger right now that huh. shows that there's still passion that there's still people caring i mean this has been a really tough decade for canucks fans to digest and there were expectations and there were promises made this year they're falling short of them and, and right now that's manifesting in that visceral reaction we're seeing at rogers arena where we've had some fire benning chants and sell the team chants and demonstrations and signs like the jersey you're talking about but you know that'll very quickly move to apathy and you know People here in the lower mainland will go skiing or find other ways to spend their disposable dollars going forward. Well, uh, and, you know, and, and that is, you know, what the, the real worry is right now. People just saying, hey, you know, let me know when things are turning around and, you know, go elsewhere. Matt, you know, you're a perfect guy to ask about this. I've been very interested to pay attention around the league coming out of the pandemic to where we are with, you know, a lot of really good hockey teams in Canada right now. Mm-hmm. uncharacteristically not filling their buildings. Um, we've had empty seats here. There's a bunch of empty seats in Edmonton last night. For crying out loud, the Toronto Maple Leafs were putting out discounted tickets through the month of November yeah. promos. I mean, that's like right. hell is freezing over. What's it been like in Vancouver? And, and, and just what's your take on where we're, where the sports industry is right now when it comes to putting asses in seats? Yeah, that is so right, Andrew. Like you hit the nail on the head. In- all across the board there. Uh, and, and you're right. Like I've lived in our five biggest cities here in Canada. I'm a Montreal born kid, grew up mostly in Ottawa, but a little bit in Calgary and then worked in Toronto covering the lease. And I've been out here in Vancouver for 14 years. Um, I never thought I'd see a day where the Toronto Maple Leafs had to discount tickets or play before less than full houses with a team like they have, because let's face it, that's a pretty good team. Like that's a pretty fun team to watch. Like, you know, this isn't a Harold Ballard era or John Ferguson Jr. era Vancouver uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. So that was astonishing to me. And we're seeing this beyond just the NHL. We're seeing this beyond, uh, you know, in other walks of, of sport. Now, the one thing I will say is that the national hockey league has typically been the most expensive ticket. And I do wonder whether they're going to have to review that going forward. As you mentioned, discounts, uh, in Toronto, which is, you know, I mean, that's take me to your leader type stuff, right? Your <laughs> least tickets being discounted. Um, but obviously, I think some habits, some spending habits, some time allotment habits change here during the pandemic. Like one of the things that we talk about here in Vancouver, where it's a you know pretty expensive community to live in, when you strike Canuck season tickets from your budget, it's a pretty big line item, huh? Like you can do a lot of things with though with that kind of saving. Oh yeah, and of course, you know, I think a lot of people looked at it and said, "I don't need forty-one." You know, I'm fine with a ten-pack or a quarter season or something, uh, or a half season or something like that. So I think you have a little bit of that going on. You know, obviously, I think some people have spent some money in the interim on bells and whistles for at-home entertainment that they're probably still enjoying to this day, but. You know, the live sports experience going forward, you know, if I was a sports marketer or president of a hockey club or a pro sports franchise, I would be a little concerned right now in terms of where we're going because 
boy, technology is moving at such a rapid pace that there are all sorts of things available to keep you entertained and keep your eyeballs off the game. Uh, and there are all sorts of uh, items and uh, availabilities to you that keep you uh, away from having to get in your car or get on public transit and travel and spend the sort of money that one spends to attend a live sporting event. You know, I, I and, and, and I still buy season tickets. I've, you know, seen that. I enjoy talking to people at the games and being in the yep. seats at the games. Yep. Um, and, and, but I, to be honest, Matt, I felt that even with a good hockey team here in Winnipeg, that there yep. was somewhat of a reckoning coming up, uh, coming in uh, and somewhat of a market correction, maybe. But the bottom line is the national hockey league and all the PAs involved in this too. I mean, they continued to cry and crank the HRR to get that hockey rated revenue up. And yeah. I mean, they weren't doing it with new TV deals. They weren't doing it with, they were putting it on the backs of fans year after yeah, year after were. year. And yeah. at a certain point that, you know, you, you just can't go anymore. And I kind of thought we got to that point just heading into the pandemic. And then you add mm -hmm. this in, maybe there were some people that because they missed it, decided that they would continue on. I mean, I know of a few people like that, that I think we're going to be out that said, oh, you know, listen to what we've been through. We're going to be there. But yeah. then you add in vaccinations and all those other things. Like, I'm not sure this is coming around anytime well, soon. And that's going to be big issues for all of the, the league, the PA. And we may have a serious market correction when it comes to salaries and that HRR number, not to mention the broadcast deal. Like I don't think they're getting 5.2 billion no. for the Canadian rights anytime soon again. No. And maybe a terrible flaw just going with one broadcaster as well. Right. If you can go back and do a do over on that, if you're Gary Batman and keep multiple broadcasters involved, because the one lesson they've taught to Bell Media is ah, we don't need the NHL national rights to keep on keeping. Like, could you imagine how many more people would be laid off at Bell Media if they had signed a five billion dollar deal to carry the NHL? You know, it's funny, Andrew, because. I was always led to believe by people like yourself and some of my other friends there in Edmonton, Ed Tate, David Asper and whatnot, that Winnipeg was a very discerning market when it came to spending money on sports. I can remember, you know, seeing magnificent bomber teams that didn't necessarily have the crowds that one thought they would, would have. And, you know, everybody who I know in Winnipeg said, no, this is a discerning market. Um, so, you know, to see all the joy and to see the, you know, renaissance of the Jets where Winnipeg basically said, we lost our hockey team once and left a hole in the city, and that's not going to happen again. If you're telling me that there's a little bit of waffle there in Winnipeg where people aren't quite as sure about supporting the Jets financially, even with this spectacular, because I think they're a really good hockey team, that's another big uh, red flag, I think, if you're a sports operator. But, like, look at the hockey fan and what they've been through as well over the last 10 to 20 years you know, lockout upon lockout, right? We don't bargain in good faith. We have one tactic to getting labor deals done, and that is billionaires lock out millionaires, which I think is a little bit off-putting. Some of the highest ticket prices in sports, massive television contracts just signed in the U.S., and of course the behemoth that Rogers signed. And then a league where the stars can't be stars, right? Like where we're not letting the Connor McDavid's of the world and all the great um, offensive skill show all their wares and be everything they can be because we're um, somehow, some way uh, focused on keeping that third pair defenseman who has to clutch, grab, cross check, and what have you 
to stay in the National Hockey League. So they certainly haven't learned the lesson of the NBA of starve drive the product and let them be what they can. And that'll put people in your building and that will put eyeballs on your sport. So, you know, I, I, I've been saying this for some time uh, and I don't get, I don't mean to be on the uh, wrong side of your uh, old friend, Mr. Lawless down in Vegas, but boy, is this league crying out for new leadership, right? Like new ideas, like it is really high time that Gary Bettman steps aside. Uh, you know, he's a 70 year old man. He's been doing this nearly three decades. Um, he's not necessarily, I think, been the most media friendly or savvy guy over his commissioner. I, I would sure like to see more creativity from the NHL head office. It looks like there's a change of foot at the top of the NHLPA going forward. I think it's a u- unique opportunity for new leadership, new imagination and, and creative ideas going forward from the absolute top of the hockey power structure. Well, and I think that's going to be happening in in a lot of, and maybe not necessarily change of leadership with the individual teams, but certainly a change in approach. And to be honest, I'm, we're going to need to work harder, I think, for the dollar of yeah. the average fan. And this is not yeah. unique to any particular market or even the National Hockey League, although they rely far more on ticket revenue than many of the other leagues do as opposed to their deals. Let me give you one small example, and this is by no means the BN, you know, the BN, uh, the end all be all. Like, don't for a second think that uh, I'm extrapolating too far, but I think it's instructive in terms of what we're talking about. So, the walk in the arena, right? And how NHL players travel to games, which, as you well know, Andrew, sometimes the visiting NHL team, the guys will get dressed in their fresh press suits in a hotel walk across the sidewalk to the arena to instantaneously take off the suit and then gear up. Like, like we're talking about maybe a hundred paces where the guy has to be in the suit and tie. Right. So I was interested with what the Arizona coyotes said this year said, no dress code. We're going to let the guys express themselves fashion wise as they see fit for the, the walk to the arena because this is a this has become a big NFL and NBA thing, right? To see the players entering the arena and you know what their fashion is, and you know some guys have taken it very far and whatnot. Um, and, and then the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, following suit, not quite as liberal. You know, they still wanted the collared shirt, the golf shirt, got to look respectable in some way. And I guess somebody wore a T-shirt. And so now ah, Kyle Dubas is taking privileges away. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch showed up in a uh, no, Mickey exactly. Mouse T-shirt and, exactly. and they so, lost three or four in a row. Would have been different if they were on a heater at yeah. that time. But all of a sudden it was a big lightning rod in the market. Exactly. So like, I was like, I don't know if you particularly care if you're a fashionista, like if you're looking for all the latest brands that are on NHL players as they walk into. I don't have that club in the bag. Exactly. It's not really my jam either, but if it brings new eyeballs to hockey, damn it, that's a good thing. You are not sacrificing much by asking NHL players to not wear suits and ties to the arena. Um, And yet, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs experiment with this lasted six weeks and they decided, no, we couldn't possibly have a T-shirt. It's time to revert back to tradition. These are the sorts of things I'm talking about, brother. Like, these are the sorts of things that I think just really need a fresh set of eyes, uh, a fresh once-over from leaders who aren't, afford, uh, aren't, aren't afraid to experiment a little bit, be a little bit more creative imaginative in terms of the way that hockey is presented. Matt Sakaris is uh, with us. Hey, Matty, before we go, uh, looking forward to this game tonight. I mean, we'll see what the Jets have after two incredible games against the Edmonton Oilers this week. We know the Vancouver should be a desperate hockey team. 
coming in. Final one for you, and it's not about hockey, and it's not about what we spoke. Well, actually, it is a oh, little boy. bit. The one thing that has turned around that's kind of flies in the face of everything that we just talked about with the challenges of selling tickets and whatnot has been our Canadian men's national soccer team oh. winning those games in Edmonton. How big of a deal was that on your program out in Vancouver? And are we getting into a, a, a time where we're seeing a fundamental change in the way that that sport is viewed by the average Canadian? Absolutely. You take a look at that rating that it did uh, for the game against Mexico, Andrew. Like, I don't know how it couldn't. It beat every NHL game on the docket. That we, It beat every CFL game on the docket this past week. We've paid a lot of attention here in Vancouver for a couple of reasons. Number one, we have an MLS franchise, and it's actually doing really well. It's in the postseason for the first time in four years, plays a game tomorrow. Secondly, of course, Alfonso Davies started his club career here, right? So we got to see this special prodigy at 16, 17 years old. There's a little bit of ownership, I would say, here uh, from Vancouver and soccer fans in, in British Columbia of Alfonso Davies, of his story. Um, because the Whitecaps sold Bayern Munich for what is, I still believe to this day, a league record transfer fee in Major League Soccer. And so you're watching this young, prodigious talent who is so proud to be Canadian, right? And just a tremendous backstory of how he and his family got here to, to Edmonton. He's been an extraordinary ambassador for our country as well as the club here. And so the fascination of watching Alfonso Davies has been big, but also, you know, this community vancouver was for my money the hub of canadian soccer for decade upon decade i mean you take a look at the composition of the men's and women's national teams over the years it has effectively been half a provincial team here in bc that's changing and it's great to see that the greater toronto area and other parts of the country are now developing uh soccer players who make our national teams and go on to play professionally but you know this is the one city in canada that had soccer soccer culture commercial soccer culture going back to the 1979 um, soccer bowl victory of the white caps that was you know a big deal on abc jim mckay on the broadcast he called us the village of vancouver <laughs> um and they beat tampa uh at giant stadium in new york and like it was a big deal and they had a parade here it was a huge deal so this is a community with deep soccer roots and we're absolutely watching the Canadian national team. Um, you know, they played a big match against Mexico here a few years back at BC Place, and, like, Mexico destroyed us, right? Like, it was clear you were watching a top 15, 20 soccer-playing nation in the world with, like, a, you know, 50 to 100 soccer-playing nation in the world. And, like, now we may be the best team in CONCACAF, right? Like, it may be. Canada, United States, Mexico, one, two, three, go south, uh, north to south in terms of the quality. So, you know, being on the verge of qualifying for a World Cup, scoring goals and being entertaining on the ball, right? Like we used to go to these Mexico games, parking the bus and hoping for a break and if not a nil-nil draw. Um, just watching the evolution of this has been marvelous. So, you know, my partner Blake Price calls Whitecaps games on PSN. We're both soccer fans. And so we've spent a lot of time on that story this weekend. We will spend more time on that story as this journey continues yeah the bandwagon uh, there's lots of room but it is growing and um the women raised the bar and now the men well, are it. sort of that's, stepping that's up it. and uh, yeah. kind of doing what we've hoped to matt this has been such a great conversation all the best to you and blake uh, rob and the entire sick and price gang keep up the great work thanks for doing this and uh looking forward to uh, more chats in the future in our new space <laughs> well thank you for the opportunity again hustle love what you're doing there all right uh 
we're, as I mentioned, brothers in arms. Uh, happy to uh, continue collaborating with you, my friend. All right, great stuff with Matt Sakaris. If you uh, do want to check out their program, uh, just go on wherever you get your podcast and throw in Sakaris and Price. Uh, we're going to get to the NFL Notebook in a little more with our main man, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. On the way, do want to give a big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto. Um, next week, all week long, we'll be doing the show from Saskatoon following our five Manitoba teams trying to represent Canada at the Olympic Trials for curling cannot wait for it. princess auto of course a great sponsor of curling in manitoba and around the country and of course proudly sponsoring two of those manitoba teams mike McEwen's men's rink and the queen of hearts herself jennifer jones on the women's side event gets going tomorrow shows begin monday here on winnipeg sports talk and of course uh, princess auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Family-owned, headquartered Canada-wide right here in Winnipeg. Two locations in the peg where you can go to in person or you can shop 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. This weekend, before going to Saskatoon, I promised DQ Nick I'm going to come by and try that new uh, steak burger. It looks at the Steakhouse Burger. It looks amazing. Uh, and of course, you can get that at all four of the Nick and Nikki DQs, the DQ in Niverville, where Nick was doing a little double duty, helping out with some busy lunches this week. Gotta love a guy that, you know, steps into the kitchen when need be. And of course, the DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's, which is now open year round and available on Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats. And of course, if you do need a cake, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get a custom made for you, ready to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. Uh, you know, I was telling you about Little Brown Jug. I did forget one thing. New beer alert, new beer alert. Uh, the five-year anniversary brew, the Brute IPA, is now available. It's a celebratory beer brewed for Little Brown Jug's fifth anniversary, a champagne-like extra dry IPA with flavors of citrus and stone fruit might be a great thing to add to the weekend docket for you. Of course, coming up, we will have our Canadian club marble race at the end of the program, a CC and WST hoodie, a Canadian club. I love rye package available as well. And we will also get to the cool bet lines of the week. And some of those lines will include the national football league on the weekend. And that's what we'll get to right now with the legend himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Hacksaw, thanks for doing this. Uh, have you have you recovered from the incredible gripping excitement of that Thursday nighter last night? Yeah, great to be with you, Hustler. Yeah, tough, tough uh, night for the Atlanta Falcons. And obviously, New England's really put this package together. They are playing vintage Bill Belichick defense, and that kid quarterback's pretty good. But I felt really bad for Matt Ryan, and as we had talked off the air, I mean, that, 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 that's a great veteran quarterback who's just getting the stuffings knocked out of him because he doesn't have a team around him. And I, this is an indictment of the organization. And, you know, Troy Aikman was sitting there and talking about, well, they got to clean this up. they got to clean a lot of stuff up. Matt Ryan took four sacks, 12 hits. There were six tackles for losses, four interceptions in the game. I mean, and it was all because there was no protection at all. So I, I felt really bad for him. He's had a great career, but unless they do something, to change what they're running offensively, he's going to wind up in the hospital before the end of the season. I thought it was, 
I thought it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen of an offensive lineman. It's one of the worst beatings I've ever seen uh, a quarterback take, and he kept he kept getting up. But that that leads into what we're going to talk about, and it's you know it's a midseason report card uh, for the teams around the NFL, Andrew. So let, what I thought I would do is just blitz through the divisions and just give you a couple of candid comments. And if you want to follow up with that and argue with me, uh, that'd be, that'd be fine and dandy. Uh, you know, in the uh, AFC West where I'm based and where you root for chiefs are Kansas, back. Chiefs are back. Kansas, Lee. Yeah. Kansas city's kind of rallied back a little bit. Um, I, I think the big thing in Kansas city is that the offensive line has not been what the offensive line should be. Uh, they invested a lot to get Orlando Brown out of Baltimore, and he's, he played, I think, very erratically and very poorly at left tackle. And some of the other guys they brought in, Joe Thune, New England, they just haven't done a good job. Patrick Mahomes just seems to be under siege all the time. And Mahomes is just making panic throws just to get out of hot water, which should not be the way you play quarterback in the NFL. They got half a season to go. Maybe they're going to get a little bit healthier on the offensive front, but that front will determine – whether or not Kansas City wins this division and goes deep into the playoffs. The rest of the division is faltering. Uh, the league is caught up to the Chargers and the young quarterback, Justin Herbert. Uh, obviously, the, the Raiders are in disarray because of the John Gruden mess and what happened with Rugg and now what's happened with Arnett. And Denver doesn't have a quarterback yet. Best quarterback in the building in Denver is probably still John Elway. And I don't know whether Vic Fangio is a good coach or not. So the AFC West looks to be Kansas City's, but can they go deep in postseason uh, remains to be seen. In the, in the AFC North, if it's John Harbaugh and if it's Lamar Jackson and it's the personality of that defense, they're dominant. I think the Ravens are the real deal. Uh, Pittsburgh, this is a, the last era, uh, the last go-round for Ben Roethlisberger. That team looks to be in a shell of itself. Mike Tomlin is there, but he just didn't have enough players uh, around Roethlisberger right now. Of course, they're battling a bit of a COVID problem. Uh, and Cleveland is is, is just battered. Uh, I don't know if Baker Mayfield is a game manager or a game difference maker at quarterback, uh, but Cleveland's not what we hoped they would be. And that's a shame because they spent a lot of resources to go get Miles Garrett and go get these guys on offense, et cetera. But, boy, they've had injuries and sickness, and, and the quarterback is beat up. So uh, Baltimore's going to run away, I think, with the North. In the South, Hey, what guys are going to love to play for Mike Vrabel because he knows how to hit the right buttons. He knows how to put the players in the best position. I would not want to play the Tennessee Titans right now, Andrew. I'm not sure if Tennessee gets to the finish line totally healthy. I'd want to play them in the postseason. That's a really good team. And in the AFC East, Buffalo's really good. I'm not going to argue with that. Josh Allen is carrying them. I think there's a little bit too much on his plate. I think Buffalo has to go into the offseason and find some legitimacy at running back. I think to take the workload off Josh Allen, and here comes New England. Yeah, uh, I will. I will say this: Mac Jones should be, could be, might be, might have to be the rookie of the year in the league. Now he was coached really hard by Nick Saban at Alabama, and he steps into the NFL and he's being coached really hard. Because I've had Patriot players tell me how demanding Josh McDaniels and Belichick are on on their young players. And this kid doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and he makes enough plays, and he's he manages the game. And Belichick's defense is just beating the daylights out of people. I saw him two weeks ago. They came into L.A., and they played the Chargers, and they just choked off Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley's offense. I mean, this is a New England team that has now ripped off five wins in a row. So, And keep this in mind when you look at your schedule down road. New England's got to play Buffalo twice before we get to the finish line of the season. So 
Uh, the way New England's playing right now and the way the Bills are not a complete team, hell, I'd never say never against Belichick. They might still wind up winning the division. Yeah, like just, the hey, NFC, just quickly, quickly, just wrapping it up, I, you mentioned the Pats. I mean, in their defensive performance, I mean, we talk a lot about Mac Jones and we focus in on the quarterback, but I mean, Lee, this team has given up 13 points in the last three games, and that is the calling card of a Bill Belichick team. Um, exciting times for Patriot fans, at least the ones that didn't desert the team and become Bucks fans last year. Uh, let's get to the uh, the NFC. And why don't we start with the NFC North? A lot of interested Vikings fans, of course, Packers fans. Big, big game this weekend in the rivalry between those two NFC North rivals. Yeah, they don't like each other. The fans don't like each other. Green and gold and purple just doesn't mix as a color combination. Uh, I will say this. Last week, Minnesota walked into L.A., and they really beat down the Chargers. And uh, I give Kirk Cousins a lot of credit. I've not been a big backer of his because I don't think his record in the postseason, record in, in marquee Monday night games is very good. But, boy, he's got the guts of a burglar. He stood in that pocket, and he took hits, and he made plays, and they just kept banging on the Chargers, and they wound up winning. Now, the defense has been torn up by injuries, and they had the COVID issue with Harrison Smith. They still don't have one of their linebackers, Anthony Barr. Uh, Mike Zimmer's coaching for his life. And in terms of Green Bay, I'll say this. Aaron Rodgers can win you games whether he practices or not. But there's a secret piece of the equation, Andrew, we've got to pay attention to in this Green Bay scenario. What's the most important bargaining chip in your pocket? Home field game, January, Lambeau Field. And they lost one game when Aaron Rodgers was out with the COVID situation. That game could come back to haunt them. They could still lose some games going forward because their defense is a little bit dinged up right now. So I'd hate to say that Aaron Rodgers' decision as it relates to the COVID and the vaccine might hurt him, but that big bargaining chip, is that's a realistic thing, pal. You know, playoff games at Lambeau Field in January are huge, and they may have lost an opportunity to host a playoff game um, because of that. So uh, the NFC North, Green Bay, Minnesota, uh, the NFC West, Arizona's for real. What a good job organizationally they've done to put good people around Kyler Murray. And obviously, he he's on the same wave, wavelength with uh, that head coach. Uh, they've really done a good job in Arizona as long as they don't have any more injuries. Uh, the Rams have had two bad outings in a row. And Matthew Stafford, who was just drilling the ball everywhere, now he's throwing balls into coverage. He should never throw it. His coverage is a little bit weak. Now, they're, they, they're getting Von Miller back. He'll be at 100% maybe by this week. Uh, I do think, though, the loss of, of the young wide receiver has really hurt them. I think there's too much reliance on Cooper Cup. Maybe that changes. Maybe Odell Beckham becomes what he used to be with the old New York Giants because he's going to have to make a bunch of catches to take the workload off Cooper Cup. But last two weekends are really weird. Now, the Rams have a bye week, so maybe they'll reevaluate situations and get the uh, injured guys back. Uh, but... Uh, a lot of people look at the Rams a little bit differently now than they did just two weeks ago in terms of being a Super Bowl team. So the NFC West will be Arizona against the Rams. I think it's over in Seattle. As you and I talked off the air, I think the Seahawks have, have really failed organizationally to put people around Russell Wilson. Uh, granted, they got the two receivers, but they don't have very much else. It's just not the same football franchise uh, anymore. NFC South, maybe the best we saw in Tampa Bay was what we saw last year when they got the ring. Uh, Brady is throwing interceptions. Tom Turnover, they're starting to call him down there. Uh, <laughs> they, got a bunch, they got a bunch of injuries in Tampa Bay. Uh, New Orleans loss to Jameis Winston, I think, really hurts them. Uh, the Saints are still playing pretty good defense. Who would have thought 
we would ever get to the conversation one day, Hustler, where we're talking about defense would be the reason Sean Payton would go deep in the playoffs. No kidding. Not uh, but but New Orleans is playing hard for Peyton, and we'll we'll see what he does with the journeyman Trevor Simeon now that Winston's gone for the season. Uh, and then obviously in the NFC East, Dallas is rocking and rolling. Uh, always had a good offense, maybe the best offensive line. Dak is doing a great job. He's got the three wide receivers. He's still got Zeke running the football. I think the intangible nobody's paid any attention to in Dallas. You know they were woeful on defense last year. And look how improved they are right now athletically and their system, and they're doing a, a much better job. And I don't see anybody chasing down Dallas. So there we are, midseason evaluation of what's gone on around the NFL, who's hot, and obviously a few that are not. Hey, Lee, um, you know, it really came to the forefront with Aaron Rodgers because of what he said, the way he misled people, missed a game, as you mentioned, which could be very costly for the Green Bay Packers. From now hearing that. Antonio Brown has reportedly been using a fake vaccination card. Um, just maybe a quick comment on Brown, but how big, how much challenged I right now are teams with the virus, even today with vaccinations where we are and certainly in a different place where we were a year ago. There's 94% of all players are vaccinated. There's a hundred percent of all staff members and coaches are vaccinated, but the NFL is scared because we're starting to see some minor outbreaks in different teams in the rooms of those players. You know, the Chargers Chargers right now have four defensive linemen who are either positive or have been isolated because of close contact, including their superstar defensive end, Joey Bosa. Now, Bosa's unvaccinated, uh, but he was very public about not having the vaccine way back when, whereas Rodgers didn't quite answer the question correctly. I guess I don't have a problem with a guy electing not to have the vaccine as long as he doesn't violate the protocols. Now, the thing that's got people upset around the league, Hustler, is the fact that there may be at least five violations involving Aaron Rodgers that the league never acted on. And Green Bay had to know that he was not vaccinated, and yet they allowed certain things to happen. Him going to press conferences without a mask, maybe him in that facility not wearing a mask when everybody has to around unvaccinated players. There might still be some more discipline coming towards the league from the league to Green Bay uh, going forward. The Antonio Brown situation, uh, why be a knucklehead? If you don't want to have the vax, just say I'm not having the vax. Uh, I don't know what Tampa Bay knew or didn't know. uh, But the report that I got was that his vax card was photographed and forwarded on to the Buccaneers, who then forwarded on to the league. Now, if If AD does not want to have the vaccination, okay, hear the rules in place, follow the rules. But if he lied to them and Green Bay then allowed him to lie, now you got all kinds of problems with the Buccaneers leadership and why Brown would ever do this considering his his rap sheet is pretty doggone significant. If he used a phony card, he's probably going to get disciplined, maybe three to four games, maybe not the games Evander Kane and San Jose got when he got nailed by the NHL for 21. But why would you ever ever do that, Anthony. That's that thing that just drives me nuts. And you and I have talked about this in our past notebook segments. The NFL players have access to the greatest medical care in the world, better than you, better than me, better than the guys that run your uh, your stations. And these players are still violating things or making mistakes or not following protocols. Makes no sense to me at all. So the AB story is we're not done with the story by any stretch. Uh, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with us with the NFL Notebook. Hey, Lee, before we go, I do want to kind of pivot from the National Football League to the National Hockey League. Of course, you're there in Southern California following the California teams. 
Um, what uh, what do you know about Bob Murray's exit from Anaheim and uh, the way that it went down very quickly, kind of resigning, going into alcohol treatment? Um, but it sounded like there was a lot of skeletons there in Anaheim, and it didn't. Once those reports came out, um, he was done quite quickly. Well, it's sad. Uh, I guess I'll preface it by saying I've had a long working relationship with with Bob Murray and stuff I've done with the Ducks. Uh, Bob Murray was the foundation for the success of a very good American Hockey League franchise in San Diego. He put this, he and Brian Burke put this franchise in place and they lead the league in attendance and had a really, really good track record. So I felt really bad when this leaked out. Uh, I enjoyed dealing with Bob Murray because he was honest. He was really blunt honest. He was, <laughs> he was kind of like dealing with Brian Burke, who I'm friends with and I've enjoyed a long time. Felt very sad. But it, was, it was the first thing that popped into my mind. When I found out that that employees finally had gone to the NHL hotline uh, for people who have substance problems and made a complaint with the league office and the league got involved very quickly. I think the other thing that might be indirectly bothersome, the Samueli family that owns the franchise are really great people. Uh, They've done some unbelievable foundation and benevolence things in the Orange County community. In addition to being a really good owner, uh, if this if this attitude if this environment had existed for the last year or so, how come nobody did an intervention on behalf of Bob Murray to either bring it to a head or have a meeting or make a move to help him get help? Why did it have to get to this? So uh, I sent Bob a, a note the day it came out that he was uh, being removed and going uh, into uh, rehabilitation. And this didn't happen overnight. This is obviously alcohol has, has been part of hockey heritage for a long time. That's not going to be solved overnight, but uh, he's a good man. I hope he can bounce back. I hope people will put their arms out around Bob Murray to to support him and give him some guidance along the way. Now, at age 66, 67, I don't know whether or not he'll resurface, but I, you know, it's sad because hey, you look, as I, I said on talk shows and on TV down here, don't adjust your screen. There's nothing wrong with your eyesight. Yes, that was the Anaheim Ducks in first place, and considering where they've been in the last four to five years. And that's that's uh, all a byproduct of, of the job that Bob Murray and that David McNabb, who just retired, have done uh, with, with that staff that put a lot of good young hockey players in place. I kind of feel, indirectly, I feel bad for where Bob is right now. Yeah, and uh, you, you nail it. I mean, the Ducks and the, the Jets have seen the Ducks a lot. I mean, they've already played three times this year, the season series over. But, I mean, Troy Terry, one of the great stories so far this season, and a Ducks team that not much was expected, at least this quickly, really attributing, acquitting themselves very well early on the season. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton is with us. The website is leehacksawhamilton.com. Lee, what are you cooking up heading into a big NFL weekend, a big sports weekend in general? Well, all, all your viewers and listeners are in Winnipeg. I hope they'll check my website. Once they're done watching you, uh, we write a ton of stuff every day. If you're, I know you're home at night. Hey, punch up my website later in the evening because I post it pretty late for the next morning. A uh, ton of stuff about, uh, obviously, NFL matchups, NFL storylines. Uh, baseball free agency is about to begin. Uh, we do a lot of coverage of the NBA. I do cover the National Hockey League, even though it's sunny outside and, and 59 degrees. We write, write a lot of hockey on my website on a day-in, day-out basis, plus uh, English Premier League soccer, which is really huge out here. I think it's pretty big in Canada, too. So uh, check the website when you're done watching Hustler and his friends, and hope you'll join us on a day-by-day basis. Lee, you're the best. Have an awesome weekend. Thanks so much for doing this. And is it true... You're going to change the name of your show effective next week and you're on Fridays. You're just going to call it beer Friday. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. We got, 
We've got a, a new brew from Little Brown Jug. We may need to get a fridge in here or uh, start getting to the back there and uh, getting into the cooler a little bit earlier. Always got one cold one for you here, Lee. Thanks for doing this. Hey, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, at Hacksaw1090 on Twitter. And of course, the website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. All right, we have uh, some business to attend to. Friday afternoon, folks, you know what that means. Let's get Remus back in here. I do want to get to some cool bet lines. But Remo, I think before we do that, we might need to uh, open entries for the world-famous Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. Of course, proudly supported by our whiskey partner, Canadian Club. We've got a co-branded Winnipeg Sports Talk CC hoodie to give away for first place. And uh, there is still some Canadian club product in the tickle trunk, so we will have a second-place prize as well of an I Love Rye package. Shout out to Rob Mahoney, who won that yesterday. His son came by and picked it up yesterday. Uh, Remo, what's the word? You want to get going? This is the word. I'm going to put this thing on the screen. Oh, wait, not this one. Guys, this one. Putting this on the screen. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Turn on the notifications. Do all those things. And now I will start the giveaway. We need your help growing the channel, liking, subscribing, chatting, turning notifications. That'll help. So it's open. It'll be exclamation mark marbles. It'll gather all. You just need to put it in once. It'll put you in the thing. And yeah, then I'll put no, all the names no in. No Oleg operations today. We all remember what happened to poor Oleg. Yeah, yeah. And Steve Halleck says, will my computer explode the answer is no. We have a new graphics <laughs> card, which uh, is stopping that. So we'll be good to go. I can handle as many marbles as, as we throw at it. I think the record is 144 that we've done through one of these contests. And how many people do we have in here now? There we it's, go. It oh, says I see 270. I see a free Oleg. Uh, yeah, and just make sure you have hit the subscribe button. You have to be subscribed to win. That's the the uh, the thing that we ask of you guys. We obviously wanted to go to the people that are supporting us and uh, subscribing to the channel. It's free, of course, but just a big, big uh, help to uh, yeah. all of us. And uh, we're getting closer, Remo. It won't be too long before we're talking about 6K. Closing in on 6K, we're at 58.87. I think we can hit it before the end of the month. So we do have, what, 192 likes on this video. There's 270 people in here. I know we can get, like, seven more likes. And I also know... Let's get to two I look at our analytics. I'm pretty sure, like, 30% at least are not subscribed to our channel that are in here right now. So what are you waiting for? WST Analytics. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Using the... Using the athletic... The analytics here. So yeah, hit that (laughs) hit that sub button. Let's even get to 6K before the month. We're we're close, man. It's been a long road. All right, for everyone popping in, if you are new, uh, you'll love the Marble Race. We've got some great prizes with our friends at Canadian Club, and we will uh, we'll be doing that right at the end of the show. We'll give everyone a couple more minutes before we close it yeah. off. And at that point, uh, let me do a quick look at the uh, Cool Bet lines for tonight. As we mentioned, just two games in the National Hockey League tonight. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Now, oh, Remo, you know, you were mentioning maybe some action was going to start coming in on the uh, Canucks before yeah. the show the Canucks were even money. The Jets were minus 118. Has been a bit of a flip right now. The Canucks actually the favorite right now, looking at it at Cool Bet. Minus 111, very close to a pick em, Uh, And minus 105 for the Jets on the money line. Uh, as far as the other game tonight, another late one. It's the Avalanche at the Kraken. Avalanche minus 154. Kraken plus 131. 
Interesting. Phil Grubauer has had a horrible start to the season after signing that big money contract with the NHL's newest team, Reem. And he, of course, is going up against his old team tonight in uh, the Avalanche where he uh, performed so well last season. Yeah, but actually, they just came out after the morning skate. Grubauer not starting. It's Whoa. Chris Dreger. Yes. Dave Haxtall having a, you know, a personal private conversation with Grubauer. And he's been among the worst in the league, um, 5 and 5 save percentage. And I think Seattle's actually been kind of decent, but their goaltending has totally sunk them. Colorado's on, on a bit of a heater here, even without Nathan McKinnon. So um, I'm liking Colorado here. And yeah, the Canucks, Sandy says, got to be a mistake. How can the Canucks be the favorite? I I don't know. Jets, I, I kind of agree. It doesn't make any sense. All because of the back-to-back games. Jet, I mean, Jets on a back-to-back. because the Jets played last night. Comrie's starting. I mean, I even looked at Dom's model. Shout out to Dom. He, uh, he gave gave us the um, wild pick yesterday. I saw Larry use that pick. I did use Tank, Cam Talbot as my DraftKings goalie. But uh, he has the Canucks as a favorite, too, which I was surprised. So this has all the makings of a letdown game here for the Jets. You had two emotional battles against Edmonton, losing in a shootout last night. Um, I'm, I kind of thought so, but I'm, I'm, I think there actually might be value on the Jets now as an underdog. Yeah, exactly. Just wait a little bit more. Maybe the Jets can get to even money where the Canucks were yeah. a little earlier on. A couple other things to point out over at Cool Bet. We've got the Olympic curling trials. Uh, odds out the uh, first draw are, is ready to go for tomorrow. Carrie Einerson and Tracy Fleury, Battle of Manitoba rinks in that first draw. Jennifer Jones, a minus 204 favorite over Krista McCarville. And then a little later on tomorrow, uh, the two men's Manitoba teams go uh, at it. Uh, Mike McEwen's a minus 127 favorite against Maddie Dunstone. Of course, a Winnipeg native representing Saskatchewan with his team. And uh, Jason Gunlickson is actually getting a bye in the first round. So Gunner won't be playing until Sunday. I'll be doing some special Princess Auto curling reports from Saskatoon all next week. And we're going to do some extra content with Cool Bet, So you can follow all those. Oh, and the lock shop is out. We do have after the crushing loss of the Rams money line on Monday, we're back at it with another partner parlay. Got a nice boost today from uh, the folks at Cool Bet. We've got the Ravens to beat the Bears. We've got the Dolphins to beat the Jets. And I'm throwing the Jags plus eight and a half at home against the San Francisco 49ers. That has been boosted up to plus 440. Uh, You can pop on and uh, bet with that and uh, get a nice boost and uh, ride with us on the lock shop. We're due. Hopefully we can get it done this week. And of course, all the NFL games up and ready to go. I like games this weekend. Green Bay and Minnesota. Green Bay, a one-point favorite going on the road to take on the Vikes at the U.S. Bank Stadium. And the late game, Dallas and the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs minus two, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Cowboys. That game at Arrowhead. Night game on Sunday is the Steelers-Chargers. Chargers, five-and-a-half-point favorites. Still wondering what's up with the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh. And the Buccaneers, after a disappointing loss to the WFT last week, they are at home. They're ten-and-a-half-point favorites against the New York Giants. You can uh, get all the lines over at Cool Bet. And if you haven't played there before, we've got a deal for you. Use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. All right. I think uh, we've given everyone uh, enough time. Michael Capti, did you miss marbles? No, you didn't. But you've got one minute 
to yeah. be able to issue boy Bruce. We do need Ziff on the show. We will be getting some picks with the Ziff Nader sometime very soon. Had a good chat with him uh, last Sunday night, actually. Uh, hear it. But anyways, last call. Marbles, if you're just popping in, you want to get in on the marble race, exclamation mark marbles. We'll give you another 30 seconds to do that. Yeah. And then Remus, you can uh, close it off and uh, we'll sure. get ready for the world famous Winnipeg Sports Talk Friday marble race. Oh, there's Royal Sports in there. I do have some uh, what Tim Horton's uh, cards if you want me to do an opening at, at some point as well. We've been doing that on the Fridays. People are asking if Wheeler will score, will not score. We want Blake Wheeler to score plus 280. And there he is to score a point. Some people are asking about that. Minus 111 for Blake Wheeler to score one point. So there's a there's a couple couple odds. And as I I'll look at um I'll look at how many entries we have. We're at 132 entries right now. 130. So it's moving on up and so Oh, a stinker prize. You know what? Yeah, that's a great idea. Great idea, Stixer. Uh Stixer. Schickster. Schickster, yes. Um, okay, so we've got the two the top two prizes with our friends at Canadian Club. And the last last marble to finish. Not if you're eliminated, you're over the top rope, you're out. But the last marble to cross the finish line will do a DQ cake from our friends over at Nick and Nikki DQ. All right, Remo, I think we can uh, safely say we're good to go. Okay, I'm stopping it. Wrap it up. While you do that, you know what? You can get this thing ready. I actually have a few packs, oh, which I will crack it. right now. Yeah, crack one right now while I enter these. That's okay. a really good plan. Exactly. You're going to open with your my... teeth? Well, I don't know. Sometimes sometimes these are a bit of a pain in the ass to open. But the cards are great. I uh, got to give a shout out to my mom. She gave me a little Halloween drop off with some candy and some of these cards. <laughs> so uh, like a... 13-year-old or maybe an 8-year-old. That being said, all right, who do we got here? Nicholas Backstrom? Tori Krug? Oh, Tori Krug, nice. And John Gibson, gold etchings. Oh, gold. All right, there you go. Not too bad. All right, crack another one while Remus is getting this ready. Yeah, good good plan. Mama Hustle. And yes, I am aware. I love Matt Sakaris. I'm not sure whether he has an issue with the letter R, but he has always called me Hustle instead of Hustler. And uh, I don't know. It's hilarious. I love it. Okay. Josh Anderson of the Habs. Pretty wild jersey they got that there. That's a reverse retro. I like those. Matt Murray. And, ooh, NHL canvas of... Austin Matthews. I'll crack one more while Remus gets up. By the way, what uh, what course are we doing today? I gotta open it. I have no, I have no, no idea. Um, I'm loading up the game right now. I think it's loaded. Is it doing an update? You tell me. I'm just cracking packs here, waiting for the marble race to start. I I thought I ran it. Oh, do another one. Do another. Boehm Byram. Red, I think these are called the Ruby or Red Foil of Genny Malkin. And oh, people are going to love this. There you go. Nikolai Ehlers. Nice. Very nice Ehlers card. I can't get over how nice these Tim's cards are, to be honest with you. They did a great, great job. Not so much a fan of 
what's happened to the food at that uh, chain over the last few years. And I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'll tell you what, we'll come out, we'll come out for the cards. Everyone's loving the fly guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, I'm just going to keep on cracking packs, Remus, until you tell me that we're ready to go. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Do do one more, and then we're good to go. Okay, we got one more, and then we're ready. Here we are, Max Pacioretty. And Jeff Petrie. Ooh. NHL canvas, Connor McDavid. Still can't get over that goal he scored last night. Oh, my God. That was uh, that was something else. All right, so there you have. There's our uh, little pack cracking interlude. Now I think we're ready to go. Uh, we've got the uh, Canadian Club WST hoodie. We've got the I Love Rye package for the top two finishers, and the final, the last marble to cross the finish line. We'll get a DQ cake for you. All right, Remo, let's uh, let's get this uh, let's get this race on the road. All right, we're here. Um, I can pick a track. If you want a lengthy one, we could do. Well, just pick pick one that sounds good. Oh man, uh, let me find. Oh, what's pi- pixels? No, I don't want that one. Let's do. I think we did taking flight light last time. Convergence, we've done. Oh, the lucky few. <laughs> How about that one? The lucky few. That sounds like there might be a lot of eliminations, which sure. might be uh, which so might be great. You said the person who finishes last. last they have exactly. to fit, they have to finish. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's not if you get if you get eliminated, you're done. You got to cross the finish line. David Pasternak. And then oh, Patrice Bergeron, superstar showcase. Is that good? Super are those worth anything? I mean, I'm not really too sure. The hockey hero is the one that everyone wants to get. I think Wheeler is the jet. Uh, I did okay. get a Thomas Shabbat from the Sens a little earlier. I'm hoping to get uh, another. All right, here we go. All right, we it's, will. It's all on the line. Friday afternoon. You're new. This is how we finish up the week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's always a blast if you're joining us on YouTube. If you're a podcast listener, um, certainly go and check out the uh, the channel. And if you can uh, maybe sneak away and jump into the chat on Friday afternoon, always a heck of a lot of fun. Again, folks, make sure you've hit the red subscribe button. Great to see 222 likes. Thanks so much for doing that. Um, so, Remo, without further ado, let's get this show on the road for after another great week on WST. All right. I'm hitting go. And we're off. We, got we all- are off, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of marbles. Lots of marbles today. We got the controls here. Looking at it. Locked up. Christopher Metz there. Kevin Kowalik, Rambler. Now going down these tubes, who will be first? Who will be the first to get through? There goes Timmy Tushu. Bye-bye. Oh, there there is a already had an elimination. Greg M's there. Schickster. Schickster always seems to do well in these. He's won once. He sniffed around the uh, top 10 last time, I'm sure, as well. Now right. we're getting down to Greg M with a great, great run so far. Really looking good. Schickster's been in second place for a while. Tacos or sandwiches? There's another uh, strong one. But Greg M leading the way right now. But as you can see, there's... it's Oh! oh is Greg M still in? Oh, I thought he just about got eliminated. But Greg is still leading the way. A nice, healthy lead for Greg. 
getting into this top row, but now we're getting some, uh, he's getting some company. Robert, Frosty, Winnipeg is in the mix. I do see Schickster there, tacos or sandwiches. Robert actually temporarily got into the lead, uh, but this is this is difficult. No one's gotten through first. Oh, Greg, Greg M, back in the lead. Who's right behind him? Oh, Rebels guy just shot ahead of him. Wow, Rebels guy with a huge, huge boost. Hasn't been able to get in there, though, I don't think, as of yet. Oh, so Rebels guy is in first. Greg M is right behind. Daniel Heaford. Daniel was a winner last week. Rebels guy, okay, we're starting to get some... We are starting to get some major eliminations. Rebels guy is still there. Rebels guy is the winner. Congratulations, Rebels guy. Let's see if Greg M, after such a strong one, can get in second. And Greg M... Strong, strong performance wins the I Love Rye package. Now, here's where it's going to get interesting as we wait for everyone else. Uh, now, the last marble to cross through will be our final winner. Uh, oh, I'm seeing Ernie, Dermot Crotty, Mike Irving. We are getting some eliminations. We weren't, we weren't joking about that. Uh, Rebels guy, great work. So, hey, Rebels guy and Greg M., Hit us up with an Insta, uh, either hit us up on Twitter uh, with a DM, or you can email us, uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com, and we'll make arrangements for you guys to uh, pick up your prizes. Although we might have to do it after next week because I'm going to be gone all next week. Still a lot of marbles coming through. A few of the regulars. I see Dan Jets fan. There's Wayne Jones, Mark A, TB Covers. Les Thompson. Les is a former winner. Oh, there's Jeff Kabilis. Fashionably late, Kabilis. Well, sooner or later, it will be your day. Uh, but we're coming down to it. Waiters, Schmidt-faced. <laughs> Love that line. Stonewall Dave, Brown-Eyed Girl MJD, or Michael Smith, and Ryan Kernicki. Ryan could be the slowpoke that actually makes this happen. Unless, oh, I think Ryan Kernicki got busted out. So uh, who was the last one in, Remo? Go down to the end of who, who actually finished. Michael Smith, three, was the last Michael one. Michael Smith, the third. Oh, brown-eyed girl, MJD, second last, just about there. Oh. Okay, so Michael, send us your info as well. Uh, Winnipeg uh, Sports Talk at gmail.com. Uh, include your number, uh, your phone number as well. We'll get yeah exactly there you are you got a cake uh, and then we'll get you set up. Let us know which of the four Nick and Nikki DQs as well, um, Niverville, Northgate, Polo Park, St. Anne's that you want to pick it up. And uh, as far as Greg M and Rebels guy, congratulations! Hit us up and we'll make sure we get you uh, those prizes uh, all set up. Wow, a great two hours. Big thanks to Hacksaw, of course Ken Weeb and Weeb's World and. Rennie, Sean Reynolds will get going tonight. Man, I don't know what time that show is going to probably start. Sometime around like 1245, something like that. The IC guys, as always, will be right on after the game. They'll do their show tomorrow. Uh, and then a weekend off for the Winnipeg Jets and back at it on Monday, hosting the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll have a big show on Monday, recapping everything that happened over the course of the weekend. Tonight's game, get ready for the Pittsburgh Penguins as well as uh, the latest on our Manitoba teams looking to represent Canada at the Olympics, as I'll be out in Saskatoon for the Olympic curling trials. Uh, Remo, anything else you need to disperse? Any other wisdom you need to disperse before this program is uh, officially complete? 
Um, yes, you know what? We actually need to give a shout out this week, Hustler, oh, before we, thank before you. we forget. Thank you for reminding me about yeah, this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so we run our DraftKings um, contests, and we actually have a bunch of spots open for CFL. It's not going to, it may not fill. We have spots for NFL, but we've been doing them for years. $3 entry. You know, we got 50 people, so top 10 win. You know, we're not playing for a lot of money. It's just fun. You get to play against people, but. We were looking at the scores, and Jason Jett, who plays with us all the time, he was like, hey, does anyone know this guy Noverby? He had this crazy score. Hopefully he entered. He won by 50 points in the WST. So hopefully he entered that lineup in other contests. And then, Hustler, you got a DM from Noverby. I got a DM from Noverby. Uh, asking, saying, you know, I've never really uh, hit anything before. And we're like, oh, did you put it in any other contests? He put his lineup in the Winnipeg Sports Talk contest and won $33.75. And then he put it in the play action, another $3 entry, and won $100,000. First place. There is WST has never been represented better when it comes to betting, fantasy, anything than our guy Noverby. Uh, what an incredible, incredible win. So two $3 entries, a grand total of $100,033.75 from the WST contest and a hundred grand. Uh, I, I'm still, I still can't believe it, but we were mentioning and we were waiting to do this, figured at the end of the show or the end of the week would be a perfect time. Congratulations, Nova B. Let's see if you can go back to back this week. You'll probably end up finishing like 45th out of 50 in the NFL, but you only need to do it once. So uh, that was uh, that was unbelievable. What an incredible, incredible win for our guy Noverby. Yeah, let's just bring up. I'll bring you up his lineup right now. Um, he had Dak Prescott. This was in our contest. He had Dak Prescott, Jonathan Taylor, all smash. Mark Ingram, Stefan Diggs, uh, Ceedee Lamb with Dak. That was a nice pairing. Uh, and he had a mini stack. Elijah Moore with Diggs. And then he had uh, Tyler Conklin, who caught two touchdowns. And this was the big one. Uh, A.J. Dillon, who got into the game because Aaron Jones was hurt. And, yep. and then the Cowboys defense going ham on Atlanta, who was terrible with a defensive touchdown, three picks. 215 points. So shout out to Noverby. 100K richer. And the text message he sent you was so funny. Us. Uh, it, it, let me just it really was you know what i'm gonna I'll, I'll just i mean i won't show it up on his uh on the thing but i do have it here and he said hey Huss, DraftKings question for you is there anything special a person needs to do to withdraw from the website never withdraw before and i just want a sizable contest figured i'd reach out to the experts and thanks to you and remus for doing the weekly contest without it i wouldn't have entered the other one that had the big payout <laughs> And thanks again for putting the contest together. So, um, listen, I know there's a lot of people that grind hard and, you know, putting a ton of contests. And, you know, uh, you know, I'd rather just bet, bet the game than do, like, 20 DraftKings entries. But I do love it. It's so much fun to follow. The app's great. But to hear one of our people taking their WST entry, throwing it in the play action, and winning the damn thing for 100K is... Uh, Remo, I hope at some point in the history of this program, we will have a story that even comes close to rivaling what our guy Noverby did. Yeah, absolutely incredible. One lineup in the play, $3 play action 
I think there's a million dollar prize pool and a hundred K to first or something like uh, along that yeah. line. I mean, to put in one lineup and win and beat everyone. I mean, un- unbelievable. And I know we have had some winners uh, David Asplund, who's in here. He won a C a couple thousand on a CFL. And I don't know if he's in here, but dynamite 11, who's always in the contest. He won a big one. He had a big week last year. You just need one week. You got to hit the right combinations. Um, in, in, I know that guy Noverby has been playing with us for a while, but I mean, it, just uh, very I, fun, very casual. Three yeah. bucks in ours, three bucks in the big one, and uh, and absolutely hit it out of the park. By the way, thirty one out of fifty right now, so we've got nineteen spots for the NFL contest, and we've got ten for the CFL. I think some people maybe a little less in on CFL yeah. because of how tough it is in the final week. Um, so if we can get ten more people in, that contest will run. And uh, oh, and Remus has done an NHL one. You know, I'll get I'll get in on that. I missed the NHL one yesterday. Uh, and again, it's just a Winnipeg sports talk. If you search leagues, join it or hit us up with a tweet. We'll make sure you're entered and uh, we'll take it from there. All right. Well, anyways, congrats again to Noverby. Thanks to everyone that's been with us. Been an awesome week. Can't wait for this game tonight and to get up to Saskatoon and now fire up the show with Chris Abbott and Coolbet following our Manitoba teams at the Olympic trials next week. And of course, getting ready for that big game with the Pittsburgh Penguins in town on Monday. Thanks again to all of our great sponsors, including Little Brown Jug, just about to celebrate five years. Check out that new beer they've got. Uh, Vita Health Fresh Market, Boston Pizza, our friends at Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Coolbet Canada, of course, our friends at Canadian Club. Great weekend. Great time to maybe get into the CC. Available at all your local Manitoba liquor marts. And of course, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group and Princess Auto We'll also be uh, talking with Princess Auto for Princess Auto out at the uh, curling event all next week. Folks, thanks to Hacksaw. Thanks to Maddie Sakaris. And of course, Ken Weeb, Michael Remus, and all of you for making us a part of your day. Uh, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on the podcast, do us a favor, rate and review. That's a big help. And most importantly, enjoy this game tonight. Have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you Monday afternoon, 1 p.m. right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.